Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Let me know you, uh, you're here in the chat. Want to hear from everybody. I'm solo at the moment, but I think that my special guest, Mark Steves, might pop in any minute. I, I don't know. We'll see. If not, I'm not afraid to do a vibrant by myself until I get other people calling in. <laughs> if we have to, it'll be me and Gabriel two nights in a row. <laughs> I'm not scared to do it. But hey, so while I've got your attention here at the beginning of all this, let's remind you all that there's a call-in line, vibrant call-in line. Good times. Let me put this link in the chat. You can drop me some memes. We can have fun. Show me some weird articles or stories or leave me a voicemail, a video clip, really anything you would like to see on the show. And the fun thing is I can't even really pre-screen it because I'm solo. <laughs> so you might get some crazy stuff on the screen. Yeah, but life's going really well for me. Been uh, feeling healthy and strong. I just got a text from Mark and he said he was looking for the link in his email. So that's kind of my bad. I think that he's got it though through Telegram and we'll see him in just a second. But I've been doing some great things the last couple of days, like back into the strong flow state of what I consider my version of working hard, putting shows together, lining up the schedule for the coming month. It's going to be very powerful and exercising. I had a really awesome climbing uh, adventure today at the rock climbing gym. So here we go. Mark is in the house. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, sorry about that. What's up? Is my bad. Really? I didn't uh, communicate where the link was going very well. I'm so accustomed to all things Telegram, right? <laughs> I like it. I, I've been uh, using it to get voice messages from the listeners, which I noticed you do as well. And uh, it's been really fun hearing all the reasons why other people's families think they're crazy too. Oh yeah. I heard that at the end of yours today, our mutual friend Gabriel on your new episode. <laughs> yeah. He had a really cool one. You made a good point. I mean, the world is super magical. It's kind of ridiculous. I was just about to, this is kind of random, but I was, uh, you know, just doing the solo flow. And I was about to show this thing that was put into Telegram earlier today on the Interverse group that I thought was pretty wild. It's the Kol Sharif Mosque. And this thing looks like Disney World. <laughs> it's amazing the kind of things that like old, old world, what they call old world put together. Like we don't do stuff like that anymore. It's beautiful. Right. Yeah. The blue is definitely, I mean, I think you've done uh, this topic before covered it on your show, the, the aspects of blue and how rare it is. And like, maybe it's even a symbol of, of royalty because of that, because it was so hard in the ancient world to find uh, something to use to make blue pigment. Yeah, there's even talk of tribes that don't have a color for blue that the ancient Greeks, when you look at the Iliad and poems like that, they never describe anything as blue. Even right. the ocean, they call it wine dark. And <laughs> that's not exactly, you know, what you would think of as blue. And maybe that's not exactly a accurate, you know, analysis of those old poems that have been translated to English to look at that and go, they don't, have, they don't even know what blue is. But... <laughs> who knows man who knows it wouldn't surprise me sometimes i wonder if as the realm grows and expands so do we in terms of all parts of the frequency spectrum including color like maybe there was a time where it was like red 
orange and uh, indigo purple, but no blue and yellow or something like that. I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. We recently talked about that on my um, alchemical podcast with cobalt because cobalt was one of the early sources of blue. And what's interesting about cobalt is that's actually a German word and it means goblin. So I don't know oh, if, weird. You, if you have any caves near you, but uh, there are plenty of goblin sightings in Kentucky where they have these big, massive caves. So I just thought that that little like word synchro was kind of like a, a you know, an indicator of something mystical going on with these, you know, 16th century uh, minor alchemist types who were going into caves to look for cobalt. Maybe they found some goblins in there. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. It makes me want to go dig up my Pierre Sabak books and try to find the parts where he talks about goblins. <laughs> he does. Okay. I didn't know that. Actually, it's funny. It's big synchro. Pierre just got back to me today and he said, sorry, I'm proofreading um, my newest book. So get back to me in the spring. I'll be available. A little hint for anyone who also wants to have them on their show. Yep. Yep. I had the same response. I've been keeping an eye on that situation. A, because I want his new book because he's talking about the connection to the medical industry with mm. all the other research he's done. Right. You wouldn't think that the medical mafia ties into flying saucer cults, but turns out, <laughs> exactly. turns out, go check out David Whitehead's Cult of the Medics series for the video documentary version of that. I don't know which episodes, maybe like number six for sure, I think. Mm. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I know of David Whitehead, but he's someone who I still have yet to uh, get in touch with even at just as a listener. So I got to check out his stuff because I've heard about that before. But I know we kind of touched on um, in our little back and forth, the telegram, um, what I've been researching lately. And when you just said that about the strange connection to UFO cults, it made me think of uh, naturally Walter Bosley's Empire of the Wheel book, which for the first seven or eight chapters, you might assume that it's merely a murder mystery book but you come to find out that there are a lot of strange things at play and the second book which just came in the mail today i'm very excited i haven't finished the first one in this series yet but when i finish i get into that because that's where they talk about the sonora arrow club have you heard of this before oh yeah <laughs> Which is like, you know, I think one of the more interesting uh, explanations for maybe just the airship phenomena, but possibly also the flying saucer phenomena. You want to uh, give a recap of the Sonora Aero Club for well, the listeners? Uh, yeah, Sometimes I would I forget love to. It's not just me and you talking like, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I know about that. Right. Well, you know, and this is something that um, I'm sure people can get a much more in-depth look at them, obviously from Walter Bosley and a lot of his uh, internet uh, or podcast appearances, but he also has a YouTube channel as well. Um, so I'm going to take this from Mysterious Universe's website, funny enough, but in the 1850s at the height of the gold rush era in the United States, a slight unassuming man by the name of Charles August Albert Delshaw emigrated from his birthplace of Brandenburg, Prussia to Texas, where he worked as a humble butcher 
etc., etc., etc. In 1877, Delshaw's wife and youngest son would die of yellow fever, and his second wife would die within a year as well, with one of his daughters thought to have passed away too. Um, Etc. Etc. Sorry, this is a lot of like filler. I thought they were going to get straight to the point. Okay, so I'll give people to the best of my knowledge before I go and uh, read everything Mysterious Universe has here. What the Mark Steve spin? Exactly. That's what I love. Me, Mysterious Universe. They're one of my podcast staples for like almost a decade. I didn't even know that they covered it. So I definitely should go and check this episode out myself. But the uh, Sonoro Air Club is this mysterious group of somewhat connected, somewhat financially, uh, let's say, uh, in the upper echelons and possibly from that part of the world, Germany, Prussia, who were involved in this manufacturing of airships. But what was so interesting, especially when it connects to Walter's work, is how they are not using you know, the mainstream channels to build this technology. They're doing it outside of mainstream trade and technology, which to me, maybe they think, uh, or, or my suspicion, because again, I'm only really just getting into this uh, from, uh, from the start here, is that maybe they're interacting with some sort of ancient lost technology uh, that they found somewhere in the grand Canyon and the deserts. Cause that's a big part of this whole story. They were flying around Sonora Canyon and all those places, the Sonora desert and, and whatnot. So, which is a, a great way to travel through the desert. I imagine in an airship <laughs> saves you a lot of time. Yeah. I want the kind of airship that has such a big platform hangout area that you can have concerts and stuff. <laughs> is that real? I think so. I think that the airship technology could be so much better, more luxurious, comfortable and safer than, you know, a tube that's so high up that you're getting blasted with microwave radiation and mm. <laughs> dangerously. If anything goes wrong, you're done. But with the airships, if you had some issue like maybe low fuel, the thing just slowly would come down to the ground from a height of like 500 feet, 600 feet. They don't go up that high. So. Right. It's a much gentler situation on a lot of levels and classier, cooler. It's a better view from there, I think. I don't know. <laughs> well, it I'd seems it. it seems like this activity is sort of particular to certain areas. And to me and to this author, Walter, that indicates ley lines, right? <clears throat> and I'm wondering, because again, still pretty fresh into this whole subject, how much the airships utilize ley lines to navigate because you do hear uh, there's uh, like railroad tracks. Well, yeah, but there's so much activity uh, even to this day on the 33rd parallel uh, with UFOs. Uh, it's, you know, one of the larger parallels, you know, goes along uh, places where a lot of people live, but I think that's particularly worth noting. Like why, why are there these sort of like high invisible highways for these ships? Hmm. Uh, you know, the other thing Bosley wrote about was the Disney stuff, right? Right, right. That was the first book I, I finished uh, in his series. It was the first book he wrote, which was synchronistic because I ended up buying his first and second book, not realizing that he went from that one to the next one. And yeah, that book was pretty interesting considering uh, he talks about how the carousel in Disney 
in California, which I always mix up world and land, but people get it. It's in California. That was placed originally on a maximum stress point, right? Something called a, um, oh shoot, it's like an environ, but there's another word for it, a mask on. So it's a mass concentration of density within the earth that causes these sort of stress lines that we might be able to interpret as ley lines. And there were three conjoining stress lines right underneath this carousel here in California's Disney, right? In, I think it's San or Anaheim, which has a German uh, root to that word, which is also interesting. Isn't but, it, aren't, aren't both Disney World and Disneyland in Orange County? That is also true. And so Orange adds up to 33 in Gematria. Nothing rhymes with Orange. <laughs> there's, a, a, there's Masonic orders that get into Orange yeah. as their color, the, even one called the Order of Orange or the Orange Order. Yeah, Mike, uh, Mike Juan and I spoke about that on. Oh, yeah, you did. I remember that. Yeah, he, he had a lot to uh, say. My, your on handbook that. for the apocalypse. Yes, yes. Yeah, that, uh, that whole saga is very strange. I'm only really just getting to that as well. But Disney, the carousel and this stress point, right? Now, Disney has this reputation as being the happiest place on earth. What if this sort of earth energy that's like vibrating out from the core of the whatever we're standing on and seeping through those stress lines what if that energy was then spun around by that carousel when it was in operation creating almost like a bubble or a toroid field around the park itself thus giving it that energy of the happiest place on earth. Well, you know, this might just be Walter's bias, but he says after 1982, the park really changed. And there's sort of evidence that fits within that previous speculation because they moved the carousel right around that time. And you see Disney's like the culture of Disney kind of get weirder and darker since the eighties in the seventies, they still kind of had that, wholesome sort of feel and I think uh, they're always sorcery <laughs> but well, I don't know no doubt no doubt but I think that the whole Michael Eisner thing and then the kids club thing like those are all more recent developments that are very you know disturbing when you go down those rabbit holes I haven't researched too far into those rabbit holes but I have had conversations with people who have on the show recently it's and, funny uh, that we were looking at this when we started yeah. because this looks like the Magic Kingdom castle at Disney World, actually. Well, but what's the significance of this place? It was a shared in Telegram. We were talking about Kazan and Kazakhstan and things like that. And looking at, I mean, there's actually a treasure trove of some crazy architecture that we could look at up here, but I'd have to get it prepared, actually. I'm not going to scroll so, through. I have a friend who, uh, to, to keep his identity, you know, private, cause he's not a podcast or anything. I'll just call him Olaf. Right. So Olaf was, hey, here we go. These are the images I was talking about that we shared. This building looks like a freaking UFO. We're going to get into talking about UFOs. I think, cause we'd already brought up Zabak. Yeah. Some, some crazy, some more Disney themed buildings seemingly. Yeah, or yeah, Disney themed them their stuff after these strange. Right, more, that's the better way to put it. And there is I think these strange, are mosques. 
There is a strange mosque like that in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, my home state, with the blue signature blue uh, bulb at the top there. Yeah, but, but you were talking about Olaf, <laughs> that the character yeah. from Frozen, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I, and I don't even know that movie. But yeah, I for I don't want to like you know give away my buddy's identity. Uh, but he's <laughs> uh, he he's from Kazakhstan, and what was so funny was like he didn't think Americans would know where Kazakhstan was. So for like the six months that me and this group of friends knew him, uh, he told us he was Russian, right? And you know, he just thought like, oh yeah, nobody will know I'm Russian. You know, they think I'm Russian, whatever, you know? And he like revealed it to us. Like it was this grand secret one night, like around like the time when he was graduating and going on to a different school. He's like, guys, I have something to confess. I am not from Russia. I'm from Kazakhstan. And you know, I say that because it was just like a really silly thing for him to assume that we didn't know what Kazakhstan was. But it's interesting because there is a very big like stigma um, connected to those countries in their own minds in that way. Like, oh, we used to be a part of Russia. You know, people don't understand our identity. They think we're just Russian. And that plays totally like here's a, a, a person I met and uh you know, to me, when I look at the Tartaria stuff and how they erase, erased history, I'm like, oh, okay, see, like this guy actually on a, like a sociological level has that imprinted into his own psyche. Like he doesn't even feel like he has a national identity uh, because of what happened in, in that, you know, communist regime and whatnot. But, you know, did you hear that Kazakhstan's uh, government resigned today? Like the whole government. And that's happening today as we're literally bringing this yes, up today, this morning <laughs> when it was announced in, in the press there, uh, their government resigns because demonstrators have set fire to the Capitol. They're blowing up cars and uh, destroying businesses. And wow. Are they over the lockdowns? Did they even lock down? I mean, I feel like we don't really hear from countries like this ever when it well, comes to Well, you know, you got to take stuff. it with a grain of salt from the AP news sources news sources but they claim it could be about something else who knows but they claim protests were triggered uh triggered by a spike in fuel prices and the three decade rule of nazarbayev so i guess the guy who was in charge has been there for three decades so maybe it's not that big a deal that he resigned like about time i don't know <laughs> yeah another thing that comes up in my but memory our, you know our thoughts and intentions with that country because that type of people yeah. can be really rough for the average person just trying to live their life and get by. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, I just spoke with uh, Gordon White, who's in Australia and they've been having a real tough time oh, down man. there. And, uh, you know, shout I out. I thought to he was that. in like, ta like uh, Madagascar or something crazy. Well, Tasmania, but that's part of Australia. <laughs> okay, Tasmania, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he's he's way far south, but uh, but yeah, you know, Kazakhstan. Another interesting thing that stands out about them is, and you know what? Now I'm feeling like a real idiot because now I'm remembering my friend was from Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. They have this very similar name, but anyways, he won't listen to this. Um, there's like this new world order city in Kazakhstan. Have you heard of that? Have you ever seen the new world order city? And there's like a, a big hand print. That's like the center of their uh, city hall or something. It's like a big hand uh, statue. Have you seen this? No, but I'm 
quickly Googling <laughs> NWO city, Kazakhstan. Right. Well, I mean, given my uh, little s- s- mix up there, it could be in any one of the stand oh, countries. Someone brought that up in, in the chat. Apparently it's called Astana. Thank which you. Is definitely yes. an anagram for Satan. They said in the chat. And well, indeed. Where's slick yeah. at is slick in there. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a near anagram. I guess there's like one extra a, but Hey, you know what they say in Gematria, you can have one extra. <laughs> it can be off by one it still counts there it is i uh yeah i i don't know anything else off the top of my head other than that astana was built basically like as one of these kind of ghost cities that nobody was really living in uh until it was finished i think like it was one of those type deals it's very strange but given what just happened, I mean, that could be the cue for the CIA to come in and impose their, you know, their shill or, or their puppet leader uh, and, you know, take over Kazakhstan's 17% uh, control over the oil industry. <laughs> Wild. Hmm, maybe I should screen share some images of it. You got to wonder about these ghost cities. Like, what does this have to do with the narrative of covering up the old world? Because you get this story here about how the Soviets put the gulags here and they're testing nuclear weapons here. It's so supposedly radioactive. Uh, so that would be the perfect cover story while you dismantled some right. <laughs> architecture that you needed to get rid of or plundered artifacts and treasures, what have you. And as you might notice there with the lineup of the streets, the angles of the buildings. I mean, you notice that, like, I don't know, it's kind of like pillars. a space needle kind of thing in between those two pillars. I mean, again, not the not the synchromistic mind to dissolve that puzzle right here, right now. But I mean, my instincts are going off. Look at that thing. That's like a my spider oh, sense is tingling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it kind of looks like the Olympic uh, torch kind of motif. But anyways, yeah, Astana, very interesting stuff. Yeah, pretty weird. Uh, there's probably some good tangents that we can get into. Oh, okay. So I wanted to bring up, since you mentioned Sabak, have you been reading his books? I know those are not quick read, but do you have no. the, either of his uh, currently available Sadly, sadly not. Uh, I have ordered a lot of books lately. Uh, I've got a stack I'm working on too. And Sabak's books have kept me stuck on his work only for months and months because it's so crunchy. That's kind of where I'm at with Bosley stuff. Like I got into that first book. I read it in like two, three weeks and I was like, all right, I got to keep, keep up with this author because this feels like I'm in in a groove. And that led me to the handprint of Atlas by Shesh Hari. And he talks about the artificial axis of the earth and how it shaped human destiny. <clears throat> but in particular to my destiny and just my life, I opened up this book and I see this page. And for those who don't know, I live in Connecticut on Long Island Sound. And that is a image of long island sound and what shesh is talking about here in this diagram is how long island sound split 
or Long Island split away from Connecticut in the ancient past. And this sound was developed. And then Tesla's Wardenclyffe Tower was built right there, that spirally thing right there. Um, and I live right near that arrow. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of funny how, you know, you buy stuff like this, like intending to find information, then you find out you're a lot closer to the mystery than you might have imagined. So I'm interested to go back to Long Island and see what's there now. But have you heard of Wardenclyffe Tower before? Yeah, where Tesla was doing experiments. Right. So they talk about how, again, with that same carousel kind of analogy with the world uh, or Disney world, these towers were taking the stress points under the earth into account when they would place them in a certain area so that they could channel the energy upward through the tower and sort of spin it and create these, you know, bubbles almost like a toroid field. And after Tesla, you know, kind of moved on, with his experiments elsewhere, the U S army took over that area and they used that to create what is allegedly one of the strongest ways to communicate with radio. So what we're talking about here is sending a signal rather than through a line in the air or through a satellite beam, whatever we're talking about sending energy through the channel of the earth, the actual energy lines of the earth. And with the right equipment, they can map out where these stress lines lead to. So maybe they have, you know, one station here, one station here, and they can send a message along these ley lines. Right. And ley line is sort of a a cultural context to it. Alfred Watkins, England, what we're really talking about are, are geographic stress points or telluric energy currents. You know, there's a hundred different ways to describe these things because so many people are fascinated with them. I mean, that's really where my research has been going lately. So no, sadly, uh, Sabak will have to wait, but you know, <laughs> Tripoli, Tripoli doesn't do much uh, reading uh, before the episode. He reads uh, when he's really impressed with a guest. So he'll buy the book during the interview. He's really famous for buying the book while the guest is on the show. Uh, so I tried to, that's why I was reaching out to Pierre. Uh, so no, I haven't read his book yet, but I'm looking forward to hearing how Sam reacts to his information because I know it's mind bending. <laughs> you can get a good taste of it on his YouTube channel. Okay. And I would just go back to like the beginning of the channel's video history and watch from there. It's really, really crunchy. The etymological rabbit holes that he chases down are quite thorough. And maybe not every conclusion is something that you would agree with when you look at the way he assesses it, but probably most are difficult to argue. And right. he shows how there are phonetic similarities between the puns in languages from language to language so that you have the idea in the Hebrew of the seraphim, for example, which are like serpentine reptilian angelic beings, but also called the watchers. But then in Greek, you have the dracon or the draco. And that's a word that means to watch or to flash or to like all these words are puns, single words or concepts or groups of concepts that mean the same thing like watcher, raper, <laughs> Uh, uh, angel, alien, sailor. 
those are kind of the main ones. And it goes across Arabic, you know, Egyptian Arabic, mm. Hebrew, Aramaic, even into English, like the same style of pun as far as from word and concept one to another is actually existing in like every language that you check. And so it gives a strong credibility to the idea that there's something to it. And the idea of dragons being connected to the UFO phenomenon or the flying saucer is interesting because the idea that maybe the ley lines have something to do with how the technology operates. Well, then there you go. Cause they're called the dragon paths. That's one of the things that they're called. And maybe there's something to that. I, I don't it. know. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah, get into my mind YouTube over channel. here. <laughs> that'll, that'll be a good way to warm up to it. You will love the thoroughness of his work. If you're a language guy at all. I've been on it for months. So I'm like always promoting it. (laughs) Can't wait for the time I actually get to interview the dude because I have questions. Like we were talking about the, um, what you call, I'm blanking on the word carousel, right? Right. (laughs) It's a wheel in a sense. It's spinning in a wheel, but you also at the same type of amusement parks would get a Ferris wheel. And we've made the connection on weaving spiders before that. That sounds a lot like a seraphim wheel. That's the type of stuff I'd want to bring up with him. Do you see anything in the, have you investigated the world's fairs? Have you looked at these giant Ferris wheels, like the one that was at the Chicago expo that they moved to St. Louis and then they blew it up afterwards for some reason, is there a connection? Because part of the puns that exist from language to language connects the concept of wheels to shields, to cogs and gears and teeth all being symbolic of the UFO or the flying saucer. So you're calling it a Ferris wheel. Well, one of the groupings or in English in terms of this linguistic connectivity would be the fairies. The fairies and the seraphim are massively related to the same concept, which is the beings that exist on the other side of the veil of the waveform duality that seem to be able to exist in like the DMT hyperspace, but also influence reality here in the physical and maybe even with the right conditions, manifest physical bodies and fully can, uh, you know, interact with us. And maybe that has something to do with sky clock and timing or whatever their energy harvesting setup is here to allow them to get the juice needed to take on physical forms. I don't know, but speaking of juice, what you made me think of and Maybe that might sound a little disgusting after what I'm about to say, but ferrous and ferrum, which is the Latin uh, word for iron and considering what's in our blood, a huge amount of iron. And then uh, ferrous wheel is kind of like a centrifuge, right? If you consider it like that and our blood is in our bodies flowing around and then we get in this ferrum wheel, this ferrous wheel and the blood in our iron gets like, you know, cranked around and maybe magnetized somehow, just like you would, you know, take one of those wind up uh, radios. You ever have one of those crank powered radios and you like crank it and it, you know, generates enough power just by copper wires kind of and a magnet and something or other bending against each other in that rotative motion. It's seems to me like there's a lot going on with the, like this spiral spiritual spiral energy right and i know you've talked about that before here yeah <laughs> i have one fun green magic too that i heard on crow triple seven the other day is spiritual is spy ritual 
I think. Mm. Oh, no, no. I didn't know that from Crow. I heard that from Gabriel. I hear a lot of this stuff from Gabriel. <laughs> He's the man. Spiritual, spy the ritual. Right. Yeah, and then there's in the folklore, too, that the, the fairies in fairy folklore are in some way repelled by iron. Mm. Interesting. But maybe not enough by the small amount of iron in our blood. <laughs> right. That doesn't quite keep them away because they can, they're connected to the idea of uh, vampires, too. Vampires, ghouls. Gula, well, well, something and, and we got into, which is it's actually the same thing. Even ogres, there's the pun between ogre and ogle. You know, it's a, it's a, another representation of the watcher, the monstrous kind of cannibalistic. They eat the offered, you know, firstborn child. They right. ascend it up to heaven. They rapture it. The word rapture, meaning to ascend to heaven, but also coming from rapire, which is to like rape or to snatch or to take away. And it's the same route where you get reptile. So the reptilian is the rapturer or the rapist. And the dracon is the dragon that drags you off. There's like, it's nonstop. <laughs> this, it's replete throughout the, the thing that you have these reptilian beings that also take stuff away. And did, you had a guy on, on my family thinks I'm crazy. That was a pretty interesting conversation. Probably for you, this was like a month ago, but uh, I can't recall homeboy's name, but he was talking about actually getting these experiences of meeting the reptilians as a child. Ron Weed. Yeah. Yeah. Ron Weed had a very strange experience and his father was actually loosely associated with uh, Navy intelligence. So, you know, who knows if that was a military program being, you know, you know, bestowed upon this, you know, kid and only because his father maybe was unwittingly participating in some experiment. That was my like sort of less interesting suspicion, but then well, like, naval is the same idea. We're talking about the, those born of a boat. The right? noble class is the naval class. Classified information is the classic tradition that right. hidden in the paintings and the literature of the classic tradition is classified information about the classes of society, the upper class and the lower class. And it's, you know, hidden secrets and in Latin classes, it actually refers to different levels of naval ships. So the, even the idea of the classics and the classified, like <laughs> it's all connected. So the fact that he's naval and is got folks in the Navy intelligence arm, that's a serious red flag because these, uh, according to the Sabak research, these uh, beings set up our governments and our institutions have these similar hierarchies as military orders and in the secret society level. And so the, the militaries are just an extension of the priesthoods that are possibly even guarding some of the tech, like the airships. That might be something that's being kept under wraps and has been for a long time and is not new and has nothing to do with Roswell or anything recent. And it's right. been a longstanding, you know, state secret holding on to the old world or not old world, but like, you know, the, <laughs> the master's technology, if you will, the angelic sailors. Well, one thing on the point of royalty that came up recently for me was the idea that Banksy might be Prince, uh, Prince Andrew um, in disguise. Like Banksy is, is, is out there and it just, it just adds to this whole zeitgeist of what, the rich and the powerful do behind closed doors, you know, not only are they uh, participating in occult rituals, they're also creating 
edgy street art, <laughs> you know, it's just that, that to me was a little baffling, but on the other side of it, you know, if we're going to go into, you know, things that I've talked about on my show recently, uh, breakaway civilizations, again, Chaz, the dead, great guest. I definitely recommend you have him on if you haven't yet. Um, his book, pass me that email address. Will do, <laughs> and <brother>. the blunt. <laughs> <laughs> Will do, brother. I wish I could. I wish I could. Maybe one day in in person. I don't Tell know. Me if, and Nick Hinton. I swapped for a Mitch the Oregon donor. Right. Okay. Well, I I'm gonna send that to you while we're Still talking. <laughs> I know you do a lot. You. How many podcasts did you do today so far? I think that's why I think you're crazy. Well, you know, I don't know why your family does, but <laughs> I was supposed to do three. Uh, one with my buddy, Mike, but you know, Michael Juan, your friend too, his car died. So sorry, Mike, uh, he got stuck at the coffee shop and we weren't able to do your handbook for the apocalypse this morning. Uh, but then I had Loomis on the show who you also, uh, I think you were just a guest on his show, which synchronicity well, there. radio. Yeah. Cause I think I found, uh, I forget how I found Loomis, but I promise it wasn't through Interverse. So I was really surprised to see that little synchro, but Matt it's Landon bound to happen. In touch with him. Right, right. He he uh, definitely uh, had good things to say about Matt and you. He wanted me to tell you uh, that he says hello. So shout out to Loomis from Chan It Down Radio. He's been doing his show for a while. Since, like, I got to get him on a vibrant. Thanks for letting me know because he's got stories. Right, right. We did get into that. But, uh, but yeah, back to Chaz of the Dead. I mean, what we talked about in that interview is definitely something you're going to like if you've been on this Pierre Sabak vibe, because what he's talking about is this group called The Friendship, and they're like somewhat alien. Some people think they're more like neo-Nazis, but really they're like these tall, um, white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed people, but they can speak like multiple languages. They seem like hyper-intelligent, and then they also have abundance of platinum that they give to people who interact with them. Like there's this one story that Chaz writes about where, uh, you know, they're sailing a boat and their boat, you know, motor gets, you know, destroyed on a tow line. And this tow line's being pulled by this group called the friendship and they, you know, shore up to next to them and they're like, Hey, sorry about that. And they say that in, in Spanish. And then, cause this is all off the coast of Chile. Uh, and then they look at the, captain of the boat and they're like oh this guy looks dutch so they start speaking to him in dutch none of none of them on the boat spoke dutch so they're like huh what and then they go back to spanish you know and it was just a really strange story because then they ended up paying them off so like hey you know here fix your boat with platinum like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of platinum so there are all sorts of little pockets of weirdness where I think MU covered that story too. I oh, that's oh why yeah, I go for to sure. MU every week because they eventually they cover well, all of this stuff at some point. <laughs> well, what's amazing. cool is is they actually covered that through Chaz's book. So yeah, that was uh that was all Chaz still there. Um but Chaz yeah, of the Dead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you I'll send you Nick Hinton, Chaz of the Dead. We're just trading Pokemon cards here, folks. <laughs> yeah, right. You got a lot. Like I'm impressed with <laughs> I'm so impressed with your hustle. I say it all the time, but I gotta give you much Thank praise. You. you get shit done. You know, you're thank effective you. and efficient in that command center over there. Oh, thank you, know, you never, never let anyone <laughs> tell you that uh, smoking a lot of cannabis makes you lazy. Well, that's why I set out to do this. I mean, in all honesty, I really took that stigma to heart because I've felt it applied to me uh, many times in my life. So 
you know, really one of the things I set out to do with the show is, is you know, not to just stroke my own ego, but to show people like, Hey, you could, uh, you could be smart too. If you smoke weed, like being a stoner who smokes a lot of weed does not, uh, you know, enable you from being or disable you from being intelligent. And again, that's not to tell people, Oh, look how intelligent I am. But I think there's a certain level of, uh, of conversations we have here. And I don't think the average person maybe who isn't as familiar with cannabis as I am would assume that you'd be having such conversations while also, uh, high, <laughs> you know, there's just that stigma sadly. Yeah, man. I've definitely had my experience as a full-time stoner for many years. It's only recently that it's not as attractive to me to do all the time. And that could just be something about, you know, the sky clock configuration changing as I moved out of my twenties and I'm in the early thirties now, but who knows? I, I totally felt quite effective and got a lot done as a full timer. <laughs> and that's how I'm doing it. I mean, honestly, it'll catch up with me. I'm sure I don't want to go on the record saying that I'll <laughs> live this way forever, but it's working yeah. for you now. It's and, working you know, for me now. I still do it here and there. I, before I went and saw Spider-Man No Way Home, I had uh, I had some. <laughs> nice. That was fun. That movie was pretty cool. Me and Gabe talked about that. There's a interesting connection to the topic that we were planning on doing a podcast over last night, which was the public and the private. And that movie actually thematically was all about the Spider-Man character trying to move back from the public into the private, like uh, legally and spiritually. So... It's pretty synchronistic that we were there. Yeah, I definitely want to uh, examine that maybe with your help if you guys do something on that, unless you want to talk about it here. Because the one thing I heard about... We already did the show. Oh, it, well, then I'll know, check so it out. Yeah. I have a lot of Gabe's thoughts in my head. Maybe he'll <laughs> call in later. <laughs> I hope he does. I hope he does. But uh, he's always in the in the chats. I appreciate Gabe. He's our synchromystic uh, decoder. Over there. The fucking man. <laughs> but one thing that I heard about that movie in particular, because I don't really go to the theaters at all anymore, which I kind of regret saying stuff like that because I have enjoyed watching movies uh, now that it's colder out. You know, I don't um, go to I don't watch movies too often, but this theater where I live is awesome. They've got like good. a high quality, good restaurant menu with a bunch of mm. vegan or dairy free choices. And, you know, <laughs> you have like reclining seats and all this room around you. Damn. It's basically like hanging out at an, in, in your living room, but with a, someone waiting on you and bringing you amazing meals. It's way, way better than your average movie theater. So that draws me in there sometimes. Cause like, well, I don't really want to cook tonight and I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can com combo this. And I kind of want to feel like a normal human being and just do something only for fun. Right. And, you know, but there's very few movies that I would do that with. I just happen to be a, huge spider-man fan so right on and that movie had to do with like spider-verse multiverse stuff which in right. real life i don't go for multiverse that's something i believe in but in comic book world it's awesome agreed yeah agreed i was a big comic book head for a while i liked uh i like going to comic book stores when they still existed and just digging through the racks and finding cool covers and and you know Getting a little Shout hints. out Rock Bottom Comics in Columbia, Missouri. That was my shop. Yeah. Okay. They still have one in in uh, 
I mean, the one I would go to is in the mall, but I know there's still one in my town, Clockwork Comics, down in Orange, Connecticut. Uh, I don't live in Orange, but it's it's close enough. Uh, another Orange weird synchronicity. But back to Spider-Man, you saw the thing about the Neuralink. I, I don't know if they called it Neuralink, but when he puts the thing on Doc Ock and Doc Ock, I, I mean, I hope I'm not spoiling it because I didn't see the movie, but Doc Ock goes and has that like mental switch uh, after Spider-Man puts some kind of device on him, right? Am, am I giving too much away there? Well, we're already here, so we'll go for it. <laughs> there are multiversal villains pulled across the world so you get the toby Maguire version of dr octopus whereas robot arms the ai system in them somehow was like fused to a spinal cord and integrated to his nervous system so the ai right. of the arms was controlling his actual physical brain and ah so he wasn't actually evil he was just being controlled by a weird tech. ai yeah he was being controlled wow. by the ghost in the machine <laughs> don't let ai into your brain kids that was the lesson but peter Parker figured out the technological fix for that with the, yeah, there's a quite a deus ex machina moment where there's a Tony Stark matter fabricator. So basically just like anything can be 3d printed, including complicated circuitry that would undo the, (laughs) the AI control. Well, I mean, definitely a lot of movie logic going, but it was fun. Yeah. What I like about comics is before I lose this thought is just that I think they're the penultimate medium for creative expression because it doesn't require the amount of people or the complex budgets of film, but you're able to get the point across in terms of a creative visual storytelling experience. Anything can be drawn that your imagination can hold. And the drawing is equally, I won't say equally, but you know, it's, possible to do a drawing of anything just as easy as anything else theoretically whereas complicated special effects in film gets more and more escalated budgetarily until the age of cg so what else i love about comics to get this thought out is that in between the frames you're actually creating the motion and the animation and the movement and the expression of the world yourself the way that you would with a novel but you have all these cues on how to construct that visual motion and experience because you have the image, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. So it's this great fusion of the experience of having the movie playing in your head of a novel, but with a lot more details given to you. So it's like the ultimate, in my opinion, (laughs) a good Mm. graphic novel or comic book is the best way to experience fiction for me. Wow. Yeah, no, I definitely I can't say I've spent enough time appreciating it. And it sounds like I should, the way you describe it, it sounds really fulfilling. But, you know, when I was younger, one of my favorite books, and this is not a comic book, but it's a comic book book. And it was like a create your own superhero book. And like each chapter took you through like how someone would come up with a superhero. And I really like as a young, for my young mind, I didn't realize what I was reading kind of read like the law of attraction type like reinvent your life type material stuff that i found later in life and now looking back even further when i find um our gods wear spandex by chris knowles and how he talks about how how all of these sort of archetypes right the archetypes are kind of describing uh what these superheroes became and 
the root of that goes back to theosophy, right? With these like, you know, ascended masters and avatars and, you know, this kind of fusion of Eastern mysticism with Western, you know, ignorance and, and a lot of like hidden Western mysticism that was like subverted for many, many, many centuries, blending through this theosophical movement, which to bring everything back to this book connects to this book, Empire of the Wheel. And what I found interesting in, in here was Houdini, right? Was a big, um, he was a big proponent or opponent, opponent of spiritualism, which was extremely popular in the 1800s. And it was, you know, kind of hyped up by the Fox sisters who had all of these in paranormal encounters that they recorded and sort of Edgar Sacy ish. Cause they would sort of do these readings, but not, nowhere near like the caliber of, of Claire clairvoyance that Edgar had, uh, or at least recorded. And Houdini was like a big opponent of spiritualism. And he kind of gets wrapped up with these really nasty characters who were theosophists and spiritualists and yeah, man, I mean, again, really, I don't want to give away too much of Walter's work, but I'm, I'm also kind of halfway through his first book, so I can't say much anyways. And, uh, and it's just fascinating how that time period, all of the little dark angles and where the occult kind of created this superhero culture that we now have. And there's, you know, all kinds of techno themes now, but they kind of, for me, the more the characters that resonate with me more were always like the guys who had like a gambit with like the telekinetic cards. Like it just felt more real to me for some reason than maybe like, you know, beast or like, well, actually no beast was cool. Uh, like, you know, like Wolverine where his like claws are kind of like high tech. I don't know. That to me was a little less relatable than the more, I want to say attainable seeming superpowers. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, did you actually think like Spider-Man, like, oh, man, like I'm Spider-Man when you're a kid? Because that was me. When I was a kid, that's how I felt. I literally a few times a week dream that I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> like very common. Most of my dreams I'm flying at some point in the dream where I can jump really well. But occasionally that is presented to me by my unconscious as you're Spider-Man doing that's web badass. Oh, it's I'm, the best. See, that's one of the mm, it's one of the good things about not being such a massive stoner anymore is the dreams came back strong. And it's like you get extra life, you know? There's like more time on the clock in a funny way. That I mean, there is so much truth in what you just said. Even like, I mean, I just talked to Gordon. This episode's not gonna come out, but he was talking about that, like the distinction between dreams, reality, and like our modern world's total you know, lack of a grasp of that. And you're right, man. Like our dreams are literally half of our world. They're, they're, they're no more real than what we're doing right now in our waking consciousness. Yeah. And actually even a lot of people that are probably watching right now, the amazing, my, my besties, <laughs> telegram friends, we have some interesting coordinated dream experiences occasionally that have come up spontaneously in conversation on like weaving spiders episodes and such where we realized they're at like the same night we had dreams with the whole crew in it and we were doing some you know big time missions but to back to your question about comic book characters and their powers a big debate i used to have with my best friend in high school was would you rather have the powers of spider-man or be a jedi 
And I obviously, you know, where I stand and he couldn't, he couldn't handle that answer. He was like, no, you must Jedi would be way better. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> you've been, bro, Spider-Man is way cooler than Jedi. I'm sorry. As far as how, how much that. fun you'd have, there's too many rules with the Jedi. I agree. And I think Spider-Man is definitely more my style too. If I had to pick, you know, Jedi is very like group oriented. I, I'm more of the lone wolf type like Spider-Man, but, uh, but Spider-Man was in the Avengers. So he did have a, a, a game. The of comics, homies. it was a long time before they let him in the Avengers. In the right. movies, he was like right there. <laughs> well, Gordy, you know, right now, Gordon Hamill in the chat, he's probably just like, oh, comic book talk. <laughs> he's going to want to call in. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, far more than I do. I could tell I was I was really I gravitated towards the X-Men for sure, because that always I like the idea of people mutating into having their powers and their powers like weren't really like things they always liked you know like their powers kind of messed up their lives sometimes even like that which is true for a lot of the heroes i think marvel kind of gives you a more realistic take on superheroes than uh you know dc they're all kind of more like aggrandized and whatnot they're really more like it's like gods versus demigods in a way like the like superman's like an untouchable god he's perfect you know in some ways you know there's like only one thing that can kill him you know and it's this rare you know element out there in the world i never thought dc was that cool in fact i read <laughs> in chris Knoll's book that the dc comics company was mostly in existence as a money laundering thing for the mob well, that's how it be, like got going originally. That makes sense. I mean, the Batman movie kind the of irony of that, though. <laughs> well, if you just think about the whole Batman like reality, it kind of makes sense. I mean, like, wow, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I I haven't gotten that book yet, but I I definitely want to check it out. I like Chris Knowles. I think a lot of what he says vibes with with me. I don't know if it's just the East Coast East Coast. You talked to him before. Yeah, he was on a very old episode, the 14th episode of my podcast. I uh someday you know, I need to reach out to him. I've always liked him. I oh just man. Never have. We got Figure, we should. We, I think it was the first longest episode we had. I we've had longer since, but it was like a two hour and a half marathon. I was very happy with it. Chris is a very cool guy. And I actually um hooked him up with like, you know to see Sam live. So that was fun too. I was happy nice. that I was able to, you know, in the real world, do something for him, you know, and I, and he enjoyed meeting Sam. So that was cool. But yeah, the, the, uh, the whole Chris Knowles world is very interesting to me because he does kind of have his finger on the pulse of a lot of what we talk about, especially like what I see slick talking about where you're like decoding things but i think it's interesting how he points it towards mithraism have you heard him talk about mithraism and how he's like yeah most of this goes back to mithraism i probably have and to be honest i know we'd have a good conversation since a lot of his material um if i'm not mistaken i think he's familiar with pierre's work and that's part of his influence but if not it his work fits and parallels pierre's work massively especially the idea of the siren and all that right. because it's that's straight up into the the monster realm of the heartbeat and the seraphim and one of the things pierre does is he just goes through all these mythological monsters that are given to us in our modern pop culture as sort of different things but really on a 
etymological level and studying the priesthood, you're actually talking about the same thing the whole time, right. which is these strange abductors that we get out of the, the UFO phenomenon. So I, I just come back to that a lot, but <laughs> I'm looking hey. something up right now because I think this topic is fascinating. Like the, maybe this is more cryptid than like monster. Cause monsters seem to be more, if in my opinion, from my perspective, like an archetype, whereas cryptids are like possibly like fringe creatures or interdimensional creatures. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, there is maybe a slight distinction, but in well, in in interdimensional that, would fit the the Sabak theory. Not that yeah. I'm fully married to every part of his theory. Well, no, no, I, we're I'm talking a novice about it. So go ahead. Wave wave particle duality in mm -hmm. the universe. We're talking about beings that could could exist or live on the wave side of this duality, as in they're non-material. They're on the spiritual side. They're conceptual. They live in DMT hyperspace, what have you, but then can sometimes pop in over here as physical. So what I, I'm going to ask you, and I know you said you're not the, you're not married to everything he says, but so this pertains to my area, uh, the little people of Mohegan Hill in Uncasville, Connecticut. They're the Makia Wisug uh, little people. And I think you can screen share if that's not uh, crazy to you. No, it's not crazy to me. You guys are just <laughs> going to see all my weird uh, bookmarks. That's all. I hope to. <laughs> you don't have to screen share. You can also send me links in the private chat or just forego the entire idea of putting anything no. on screen. No, if it's working then and you're seeing it. So these are the, this is the book that somebody wrote about these little people right here. But uh, I just think it's fascinating that even in a corner of the world as developed as Connecticut, even though there are rural areas, you have stories like this because there are little people that live in like really remote places that I've heard uh, legends of. But yeah, this is kind of a, a cool little sync up. And they're basically like, I mean, the same thing as leprechauns and pixies. And I was just listening to another podcast guest who you might want to check out, Mary Joyce, who was on the higher side chats a while back. Uh, and she's talking about little people down in the lower Appalachian Mountains because Connecticut's kind of in the upper Appalachian Mountains. Um, she's talking about little people in North Carolina. Yeah, we've talked. Have we talked about this before? I, feel I don't know. Like I bring it up a lot. I got Gabe I, to watch it. I didn't watch it yet because I'm just like I'm the Bro. worst with recommendations. I need to I need to have like a, a notepad on me all at all times for that kind of thing because I do let a lot of those slip through my fingers. So I'll watch it now that you reminded me twice. But the Penny Penny Royal, I also recommend Cult of the Medics, David Whitehead series right. because he's linking the medical mafia with the dark occult in a perfect blend, which is really what it is. They're the mafia and the government and the medicos are all part of the same system that extends from the priesthoods of old. And that comes from these strange, at least in their own stories, from the angelic hierarchy. So whether or not they created all that tale as a sort of heist on our collective consciousness to make them believe they had this divine right of rulership or what, but maybe that's not the, you know, maybe it's, none of it's even real. But there are too many stories of people, regular folk that seem 
honest, like the guy that you were talking to, I already forgot his name again. Ron Weed. Ron Weed. Yeah. Yeah. About, shout out to Ron. Yeah. Ron. Ron was great on that episode. I, you know, you put out a lot of stuff and I can't, it, I can't uh, confirm that I listened to everything, but I get in there a lot. You do a good job, man. You have Thank some very you. interesting guests. I'm mega inspired by your work ethic and work effort. So I have a meme that I want to put up from the call-in line. We have a Telegram channel just for Vibrant and <laughs> thought this was a very appropriate for you, Mark. <laughs> Look who decided to join us. It's Mr. Interdimensional Reptilians Run the Planet Guy. How's the Great Awakening coming? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. For Thanksgiving or something. Oh, yeah. This is this is like what uh, Loomis and I was talking about today. But, you know... I don't know who Plasma Daddy is, but they definitely an amazing uh, Instagram profile. Everyone, <laughs> Plasma Daddy's great. They definitely know uh, a little slice of my life because that, yeah, that's definitely the feeling when I show up with my headband. Where I don't just put this on for the podcast, folks. Okay, I wear this all the time, and ever since I found this headband, my family's been looking at me like I'm just a full blown hippie. But the truth is my hair is really long. Cause I don't want to wear a mask to get a haircut. Dude, the so. headband is legit. I think like you. I you. visualize you with the headband every time I think of you. Well, I need, it's I might need to get, now. I might need to get a new like cover artwork thing for the podcast. Cause it is yes, part of read my, my mind. Read <laughs> my mind. Maybe so just have look, someone you know, crop it in new year, new you. There it is. Yeah, I am actually uh, in touch with a cool artist who's going to be making a T-shirt design for me because I feel like the the artwork that I do have for the pod it wouldn't really fit the T-shirt thing. I mean, if people like the logo enough, they can get it on a T-shirt. I do have that available, but uh, but yeah, people who are into the show, stay on the lookout. There's going to be a shirt that says "My family thinks I'm crazy" on it, and just that maybe like. Only that instead of like the podcast attached to it. So then you could wear it in your life and people will just like see that, you know, and be like, oh, my family thinks I'm crazy too. And then they won't, they won't even know it's about a podcast. They'll just, you'll just relate to them, you know, because it's just a relatable phrase. Yeah. You'll be like undoing the stigma that we yes. all carry as weird conspiracy people. <laughs> and helping us get, you know, in touch with one another in, in, in the real world. Cause I think that's, what's really uh, cool about the research I've been doing into the ley lines and stuff is going and checking and sussing out these places myself on the foot, the field research, so to speak. And after reading Walter's work, I'm a little more hesitant to venture towards ley lines because what I'm realizing is they're like a energy current. And if the energy that's going through that energy current is bad, well, then you're in for some possibly bad, uh, bad stuff if you interact with it too much. I don't uh, know. You know what? I stick really close to the stay positive perspective because right. I don't want to fear monger, but that's just what I've been reading. <laughs> what we have, you know, we have the idea of the wave particle duality again, going back to that. True. That just depicts that the universe is really energy and vibration and frequency. So I say this all the time, really the only thing you have any control over that matters or that is true or exists in life is your vibe is your energy. So I focus on keeping my energy clear, strong, healthy, and positive and fun and funny too. It's good. The posture is important. Dude, you, <laughs> you know, because you make, then you're, everything you're else in my world rearranges up, so. itself around my my energy. And 
I've been so consistently staying in clean, healthy, positive energy for long enough that now when I fall off, I see the immediate change in the way the world responds to me, what happens to me, what comes my way, what the people in my life that I'm close to act like. And it's just at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to admit to myself. I don't need to like claim this on the world stage, but I'm going to admit to myself that literally I'm in control of the entire world. <laughs> Everything that happens in my personal universe is 100% the result of how well I'm taking care of myself and what I what thoughts I entertain, what behaviors I pursue. So that's why, wow. you know, I'm impressed with you and your single point of dedication to your craft. And I'm someone that's kind of like scattered through a bunch of different pursuits and interests where and behaviors where you've got a lot of dedication to just this podcast unit, you know, and it's blowing up so fast for you. You're perfect living proof that staying focused on your energy and on your intention will make things happen really rapidly. Like, yeah, there's action required. You do plenty of action, but it all starts with the mind and the vibe big time. Well, dude, I got to say thank you. Not just for the kind words, because I'm in the East Coast. We kind of shrugged that off a little too quickly. We should be more opening, or at least I should be. But thank you. And I needed that. And that's why I was looking forward to being here on the Vibrant, because I knew I would be a little bit elevated. And, oh, yeah, I'll uh, gas you up anytime. Yeah, man, I appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate it. And I, I try to be as real and as honest as I can. And sometimes, you know, life isn't always positive. And that kind of puts you in a little bit of a catch 22. Because I agree with you. I think that's where it comes from. You are in control of your universe. And when things start happening, you know, you always have to look towards yourself and see like, oh, what did, what did I possibly do wrong? And, and how can I hold myself more accountable so that what I really want to happen will happen next time. I guess that's yeah, where when you get focused on people outside of you and you're like, man, if she would just be better, I'd be happier. You know, she'd be better. But what it is, is that you got to get better and then she or he will meet you there. Right. I really think that like they, if they don't, then they'll fall off and that archetype in your life will be met again down the road at a version that more matches the energy that you're bringing. And so that'll work out better for you anyway. But like, I really think that if there is any truth to parallel universes or parallel realities, it's that there's a actual, you are the actual center of a parallel universe that's your own and even how other people develop in the world and the world direction itself is all about what you're doing. So I like have a lot of confidence that even this crazy great reset thing will be more like the great work. Hopefully <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing my best. I think I'm doing my best. It feels like it. Yeah, but speaking of yeah, other I pursuits, agree. I want to show some of your art that was linked in the Telegram channel. Is that cool with you? Please, yeah. I can even show some on the camera that aren't for sale, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll make you big if you would rather show it on your screen than on these really nice No, graphics. please show the ones that are for sale. I will say these are more expensive just because they're, you know, I like to be. Oh, they got to be. It's okay. You know, I like to be, you know, upfront about that kind of stuff. I do have smaller pieces that will be available soon if folks see the prices and they're a little like, oh, this is out of my price range. But keep in mind, these are all really high quality stones, hand selected. And, you know, I combine them in a way that feels... You gotta value your craft. Yeah. These are, these are quite valuable. I've paid hundreds Thank of dollars you. for wraps before and I never oh. regretted it because I can get those... I can make that money back, but I can never 
go get that one unique creation ever again that means so much to me when I wear it around. Like this wrap right here. This was way cheaper than it should have been. It's like can I bucks. can I say you know how much that means to me? Because as somebody who never went to festivals to sell my stuff, I kind of feel like I I like I made all this stuff and I sold them to some stores, but I never really kind of found my niche to to really like let these find a, a proper home. So yeah, if 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 this vibes with you or your audience and you're comfortable hooking me up and supporting my art. And Share this it, stuff in the Interverse Telegram group too. Someone might want to buy it. You know, whenever you get a new one, drop these cool graphics in to show it off. You'll at least get a lot of love shown your way. Well, and and definitely show Tara's paintings as well. She's uh she's been painting a lot of cool stuff. I don't know. <laughs> it is a little uh there's some of them are graphic, but <laughs> not, not in care. a bad way. <laughs> not in a bad way. But uh but yeah. Boobies. Yeah. Oh, oh no! <laughs> be in trouble. <laughs> but we got uh we got some some wraps that I've been making recently because I was so inspired by you know this and uh, what Tara does weekly and a lot of what you guys talk about on your show uh, and in Telegram chats as well. So I made this like monster piece. Oh, I gotta make you big. So make me big so we could show people this one. Actually, uh. Might be a monster piece for sure. Let's see if this helps. So that, I mean, for people, There's some tiger's eye in it there. Well, it's actually a uh, tempest stone, which some oh. people call lion's eye. Cause it does kind of look like tiger's eye, but I've made it so that it has like this buckle on the back. So it's kind of like, it's an odd wrap, you know, you're not going to just wear this anytime, but there's almost 70 pieces of amethyst in it. Uh, wow. There's, <laughs> there's that might be the most individual stones I've ever seen wrapped into one wrap in my life. <laughs> and then there's uh three gold stone and then the tempest stone at the bottom. And it was intended to be kind of smaller like this one, but I got going and I just, you know, kept going <laughs> as I do sometimes, but yeah, make it big again. You got another one. I got another one. Yeah. The oh. light's not the best for this kind of thing, but, still uh, show, but yeah. you still get the picture. Yeah. So that's my style. It's all freehand and it's not like I, like I really didn't learn from anybody. The story behind it is like, I found this like really heavy copper wire in my dad's basement. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this and I'm going to make my own wrap. Cause at the time I think I had bought like a necklace from a store and I just, I didn't really like the idea of buying though those I'd rather, you know, get a raw crystal and do it myself and just started with some random bulky, ugly piece of wire. And then I realized like, Oh, you could go and buy this stuff at stores. And, and that's when I started tooling away with the, with the wire. So I've been doing it for like four years. It's, it's like, a really cool meditation, honestly, for me. Like once you really get into it, you kind of, and I, I think most, I love having friends with you wire wraps. I have a few in, you know, meat space. Well, it's awesome. I'm sure they can tell you it's like, you know, once you get into it, it's kind of like pulls you in, you know, like as you're winding it up and then you kind of just, I don't know, personally, I get really pulled into it. I think a lot of artists feel that way about what they do, but for, for this in particular, it just, yeah, it's flow state all the way. Speaking of flow state, you know, we <laughs> yeah. do that, right? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Drop in sometime because after Vibrant on the Weaving Spiders Welcome Channel, for anybody that doesn't already know this, you probably all do listening, but we do a flow state, which is kind of like an episode of Weaving Spiders, but we're also making art and a lot right. more emphasis on reading cool stuff to each other, chapters from books, poetry, just whatever we're researching or interested in. And since you showed your art, I'm going to show the most recent crystal related piece of art I made. It's not super new. It's from November. So I don't do this all the time. And now that I look at it, my green screen is fucking up the, uh, this, this green screened out crystal is supposed to be a uh, malachite. So that's because it's green. That's why it's going away. But this is a selenite wand and five specifically selected crystals in the handle to give it some extra powers. And I kind of don't even want to sell this, honestly. <laughs> it's really, oh, really, you really strong and useful. I just keep yeah. it for me. Dude, that's, that's a synchronicity. Cause look at what I have right here. This is something I made a long time ago. It's selenite uh, with like the chakra crystals on it. Oh yeah. It's not really a wand, but so sort good. Of a little piece I made that I just have always kept with me. But yeah, selenite's beautiful. I have several selenite wands. Very cool, man. I love this kind of synchronicity. This happened when I had Michael Wan on the show for the first time. He had a wand. I showed him. He always shows off cool creations on (laughs) my podcast. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's what it's all about, man. Because I find that it's inspiring people to hit me up in the Telegram and share, you know, their art with me. And I, like I said before, I just got in touch with a a cool artist who's going to design some, some t-shirt stuff. After I put that out that I was looking for more people to talk to on the show, maybe even a co-host. I got a couple folks who, you know, want to jump on the show. So this is the fun thing about flowing in this community is we can all collaborate together and it has this ripple effect, you know, to borrow Ricky's phrase. uh, Yeah, you're a great connector of all that with your alt media (laughs) group i try man i try it's definitely um not as easy as i thought it would be but it's fun for sure <laughs> i'm sure it's not easy to wrangle that many cats you're doing great <laughs> so another thing that was shared in our telegram group for vibrant this is a short clip i think you'll remember this moment fondly <laughs> all right oh goodness <laughs> oh man I can't hear it, but oh, I like shoot. watching okay. it. I gotta start it over. Right. Oh no, it. I hear it. I think Paul is asleep. <laughs> is he gonna give us that Edgar Casey? I think he was. Vision? Paul, are you talking in your sleep, Paul? I think he was talking in his sleep. I swear, I'm not gonna be a prof- jerk. This could be a mediumship <laughs> prophecy. Yeah, we like that just for the record, fun. Paul came back on a weave with us. So there's a. All good feelings about that funny moment. <laughs> well, and and I should tell uh, if Paul's listening. Hey, buddy, I got your the message. episode two was blackout bingo bango. So it's funny that Paul blacked out. Like that was just a great night. That wasn't intentional. That was like that was just a happenstance synchro. <laughs> oh, weaving spiders is a massive sync generator. <laughs> Always. Well, Paul messaged me, and I just uh, for whatever reason I never got back to him. So if you're listening, Paul. I appreciate you, buddy. And I, I'm glad you reached out. He was like, Hey, I'm Paul. I'm the, the DMs guy. are a battlefield, dude. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll get back to him. I think he said he had his own podcast or something like that. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. He never even plugged that. Whoa. 
I'm not sure. I could be mixing things up. I get a lot of DMs, but either way, Paul, I will get back to you, buddy, because that was funny. And I, yeah, I didn't want to like tag out and be like too much of a bully, but my instincts and my instigator prankster kind of blood <laughs> kicked in. And I was like, uh, I can't not point this out. <laughs> we had, we had too much fun with that. Yeah. That was I, fun. I feel like you got a, with a moment like that, someone falling asleep on a show, it's too rare and special to not make as much light of it as possible. Right. Right. I don't think that'll ever happen again. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I've done a lot of weird podcasts, but that was fun. <laughs> Weaving spiders. I, haven't, and I mean, as it is point, the fizz, the spiders go late as hell. I don't to, even know how I was hanging in. True. True. And to your point, weird. Uh, you said on, I think the all media United swap cast we did a while back. Uh, weird just means destiny, right? So, oh yeah, <laughs> right. It means master of fate. W-Y-R-D. That's what it was. Master of okay. So to catch up on the, the last thing that's in our call-in line, although I encourage people to get in there, leave us yeah, anything Have people they want. call, call in. Do we take like caller callers, like a radio yeah, me, show? Yeah, you know what? And I, after I play this, or while I'm playing this voicemail from Gabriel, I'll drop the link for someone to take a join us on the live call-in. Cool for the remainder of the show. I think it's a good time for that. So there's a link. If you jump in and I don't put you on screen right away, it's because we're doing this voicemail from Gabe. But if anybody that's in the call in line on telegram that I just linked on the YouTube side, <laughs> please come hit us up. Uh, join us. Talk to me and Mark. I'd like to hear from any of you regulars or new. So there's the link and we got a short voicemail from Gabe. I don't know if he's going to call in, call in. He had a little bug. And I am impressed that he actually slogged through that and came on with me for a whole two and a half plus hour show last night and was strong. <laughs> Evan in the chat says, chance has more stamina than caffeine. You know what? I've been really cutting back on the caffeine lately. So this is me on one cup of coffee a day right now. I'm down to one cup a day and my kidneys are so happy about it. <laughs> anyway, here's Gabriel's voicemail. Big love and respect, soldiers. This is a great show tonight. Uh, I'm going to lay back in the cut. I'm a little under the weather still. Uh, but I love what you guys are covering. This is just wonderful. Uh, personally, I really wish I could say I would be Spider-Man. But uh, I'm real handy with the sword. I've got to go with Jedi. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm also a what they call a slider. Uh, in that I affect electricity from a distance. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta go with it. I relate to the Jedi much more than Spider-Man. That's my, uh, that's just being honest. <laughs> much love fellas. This is a great show. <laughs> I see Thanks, that brother. Gabe. He's definitely more Jedi. He's more of like the noble lawful defender type for sure. Mm. I was going to, I was going to say too, before about that, I was like, you know, thinking about it. And although I am more of a spider, I would lean towards the Spider-Man like that technological futuristic appeal is why I don't like the Jedi's everything else about the Jedi's. I think it's really cool, but just, I wouldn't want to be in the future wherever they are. I'd rather be here in a world that I'm familiar with, but with spider powers. <laughs> 
Yeah, they made the new Spider-Man very like Iron Man-y. They gave him the nanotech suit and all that. Mm. So yeah, well, I was gonna get to that. I don't. I mean, you had a, a much more interesting, different point, but something that I heard from a friend was that oh, they're you know putting predictive programming about techno, you know, technology being you know transhumanism, and and it's all good. And so that was kind of the angle I thought you were gonna go with. But the new Matrix movie definitely did that. Mm. Matrix. Well, 4. I don't doubt that. Yeah, <laughs> that's that that was supposed to be the good part about it until it became a reality on the precipice of of maybe actually happening. Seriously, yeah, the Matrix Four was really weird. We did a the most recent Weaving Spiders. We spoiled the hell out of it. So if anybody wants to hear our take, <laughs> all right, we got in there. It's fun. Uh, maybe worth watching for free though. I didn't go to the theater on that one. So our link for people in the uh, Telegram group is there. If anybody wants to jump into our stream yard, anyone's welcome. But, you know, we can hold it down. If not, it'd be fun to take callers, though. Don't be shy. Even if you just want to come in and ask your question and dip, that's fine. Or if you don't have a question, you have a statement, that'd be great. We'd love to see you. So I'm waiting to hear that doorbell ring <laughs> come on on come on board it's been a while since i had a live caller since i even did a vibrant like this i had to take a full week off from getting the super coof mm. super coof well i'm glad to see you're all right i don't know if that's really what it was and you know i don't <laughs> think it's maybe not even a real thing who knows but right. i did get super fucked up after christmas and a bunch <laughs> of my family members did too it, my organs felt like tiny ninjas went into my body and beat the shit out of each of them. Wow. Well, <laughs> I am, uh, yeah, I can't say that for myself, but I definitely uh, had a little bit of a mental beat down from the whole holiday experience, just from the the average conversation that was being held when it's I was engaging the room. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but But I got out of there pretty quickly, to be honest. I didn't spend much time um with my relatives this holiday season um because i spent so much time driving from one house to the other so it was fun though by the time i got to the other place they were all really hammered so that's where it was like oh okay i I missed my chance to have any normal conversations with half of you guys (laughs) so but so what uh what's new in your world besides the gordon white episode is there anything interesting on deck or that you've recorded but it's not published yet well gordon white would be the only one i have a bunch of interviews on deck though for sure i'm talking to howdy mikowski this month um that's oh, great I've yeah i'm wanting to get him back and um i might be talking to isaac soon which is cool isaac weisop uh, excited for that, but yeah, no, I, you know, what's interesting, uh, you mentioned someone who I just scheduled on the show too, uh, Gordy Hamill, who you said was in the chats. Gordy's oh, going to be on Gordy. the show. Better call hey. in buddy. You just got summoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why not? And then, um, yeah, there's, there's been a couple people, like I said, that have reached out and said, Oh, I, I would be, uh, interested in being your co-host, you know, after I put that out there. So, 
uh, I'm planning on scheduling a few interviews with folks like that and, you know, just see how it goes. You know, I kind of a, a odd cat, you know, so I don't vibe with everybody, but, uh, but yeah, I think there's the right person out there who, who might be a good fit to be like a more regular, uh, person on the show and, and interview guests with me. Cause you know, it's, it's one thing to, you know, have all the questions prepared, but then, you know, I get here and I got to keep the Rockfin stream going, keep the Telegram stream going, you know, it'd be cool to have someone serve up the first two questions while I get all. Oh, it's great. It's great. Three is the magic number. <laughs> right. I say right. it's real. That's why I want to call her. Cause then you two can talk and I can just be like, so what's going on in chat? Let me look for some <laughs> memes, you know, <laughs> oh, producer got- hat and host hat at the same time. This is, you know, it can be a lot to juggle. I got a big thing that came up and I'm sorry I, f- I jumped in, but I forgot about this. And no, I thought it was really this cool for you. We're here for so, you. NFTs. Do you guys, I mean, you've heard of them. I don't know what the heck they are, but it stands for not a fucking thing. <laughs> well, somebody <laughs> sent me two of them and they're pretty cool. They're like, uh, one of them is modeled after Sam Tripoli. So this person was like, oh, hey, we made this really cool uh, Pepe the Frog Sam Tripoli NFT and we want to give it to him and I'm like uh, okay he might be interested in that and they're like well we also want to give you an NFT as well so I got like these two Pepe the Frog NFTs uh, mildly strange uh, kind of one of them had a Captain America uh shield which was synchronistic because on the Conspiracy Castle podcast two days ago we watched a clip where a guy was wearing a Captain America shield and, and now we're talking about superheroes, but either way, um, that was interesting. So yeah, I got some NFTs and I don't know what the heck to do with them, but I'm interested in, uh, in just exploring it. Cause I've heard that you can do like audio stuff and all kinds of other interesting things. So maybe I'll do a secret, uh, NFT podcast one day and one person will hear it. <laughs> Well, the thing about them is I'm pretty sure they can be set up so that someone, other people can watch them and, or see them and interact with whatever the NFT is, but also it's somehow owned by just the one person who owns it. Speaking hmm. of Captain America, one of the funky things about Spider-Man No Way Home was that the climax scene took place at the Statue of Liberty, except I guess maybe because of some monster attack on New York at some point. The Statue of Liberty was destroyed and they were rebuilding it, but they were rebuilding it with, instead of it holding the torch, it was holding the Captain America shield, which I thought was kind of funky because it made me think of the fact that the thing is on top of a star fort anyway. Right. Well, that's interesting. That kind of connects to what I was talking about with the Wardenclyffe Tower, because the Statue of Liberty is on one of those major stress points that, uh, that they talk about with these telluric geomantic energy corridors. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of synonyms for the same, same thing we're talking about here, but yeah, it's interesting. Wardenclyffe tower and the statue of Liberty have some sort of energetic connection, what Tesla was up to. And then the other thing that a friend in, in my telegram chats who also lives in Connecticut said was that the stone that created the foundation of the Statue of Liberty came from a town in Connecticut, which when I looked at that map that I showed you guys earlier, 
it's also in conjunction with Warden Cliff Tower. So there's something strange about Long Island Sound. And keep in mind, like the Hudson River itself, when it was founded, there's a lot of strange things going on on the river. Uh, a lot of weird stories you can find, like the whole uh, Sleepy Hollow, Headless Horseman thing that comes from the Hudson River Valley. And there's a lot of other weird, strange high strangeness events in that one particular area. So yeah, I don't doubt that the Statue of Liberty maybe is uh, more than just a symbol. Maybe it's some sort of energy center and, and them blowing it up is significant. Who knows? I mean, I definitely, like I said, I don't watch a lot of movies because I don't really care to, for whatever reason, to watch them. But you know, well, there's plenty of good reasons the, not to. <laughs> well, but I'm I'm very interested in like analyzing the predictive programming. It's definitely uh, worthwhile to some degree, but I wonder if people uh, maybe take it too far. I don't know. I I haven't dealt with it enough. Yeah, Certainly. it's one of those things. Like if you get too invested in, I I always have these ambitions. Like I want to analyze the occult symbolism in video games, for example, because there's so mm. much and there's a bunch of games I've played in my life as a previously massive gaming addict. <laughs> but then it comes down to it. And like to actually do that analysis, then you got to play a 40 or 60 or 100 hour game while also stopping taking to take screenshots yeah. and, take notes. <laughs> yeah. and so it turns that into even longer. Right. And, and it's just not fun anymore. <laughs> well, I had this, a similar idea because I too spent a lot of time gaming uh, when I was younger and Assassin's Creed was one of these games that was just so oh, it's rich so with, full. yeah, like I think it really helped Literally me. about the Templars. Yeah. It, well, it helped me uh, understand this kind of stuff in a more in-depth way. So even though I have said a lot of things on my podcast that, oh, video games are probably not the best thing to do. That one game, I do say, uh, I give it some credit. It kind of helped me uh, understand this whole world a lot better. So, yeah. Mike, my man. Hey, we got a surprise <laughs> call in from Mike Winter of Alpha Vedic Podcast. There's a surprise for everybody. <laughs> right expecting. What's up, man? What's right up, on. yo? How you guys doing? <laughs> We're Excellent. good. We're just shooting the breeze about... Uh, occult symbolism in video games like Assassin's Creed. That was where we landed just now. We're talking with Mark from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. I don't know if you guys are acquainted, but you ought to be. Both well, massive by, uh, producer by, hustlers. By email, yeah. I think uh, we, we're in talks to have you on Tinfoil soon. So yeah, I definitely have emailed you, but no, not like this. How you doing, brother? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you virtually in the meta. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, hey, man, Chance, uh, it's funny. I was just on Calendly. <laughs> we're talking on Telegram. Uh, I just booked myself for your show, man. So, <laughs> all right. Great, so, dude. we'll see you again soon. But, how's it going? You recovered from the event because that was some major vibes right there. <laughs> oh, did you, did you, were you able to catch any of it? Because, um, man, that was a whirlwind. <laughs> I think I only caught one. I'm trying to remember. Uh, the dude's name, a uh, soul Luckman was he? In oh there? yeah. Dude, I always have that guy's book by me somewhere. I'm, I'm deep into soul's work right now. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, his whole DNA, um, like regeneration method, um, with the tuning forks is really fascinating, fascinating stuff. Like where medicine's I've got to going. Get into that. So, I literally am a tuning fork forker practitioner. You know, oh, are you? Like, I guess professionally you could say. 
Well, well, we need to talk. We need to get you on AlphaCast because that's Bear Lando's been doing that. Dr. Lando's been doing that for decades and he does it. The tuning forks kind of like acu- acupuncture and um, hits the pressure nodes with the different um, scale, the different. Yeah, I just uh, got an acupuncture chart of all the different meridians and and nexus points on the body, like a big poster to go in the room where I do my <laughs> tuning practice because. Usually I'm working with people remotely. So doing that physically on their body wouldn't be an option necessarily, but I just want that reference point because it will help me with the whole rest of the biofield. Yeah, man, we would have some good talks. I have a lot to learn, but just the, the tool is massively powerful. I yeah, gotta say before, uh, before you guys get off and running, cause I know you're going to do an awesome episode on that. I'm definitely going to check it out, but I gotta say, I've been talking a lot about landscape metaphysics lately and i did not expect to get that when i checked out your episode of the higher side chats and like just hearing the area you guys are in out there is so awesome man like the energy of the land and how the metaphysical nature plays into something that everybody can grasp which is growing food permaculture you know and and even like that really awesome adaptogen tea that you guys got going on over there that's awesome but yeah man i mean What's, what's your thoughts on that? Do you guys have like a history of weird high strangeness in that area that kind of seems to fit the bill for a lot of these sacred spaces? Oh yeah. Vortex galore for sure. My man. Um, I, I believe we are in a sacred spot. Um, and I believe this is, we are in an area with the remnants of Lumeria, you know, a million years ago. Um, and there's still some reverberations of those energetics in this area. Um, We've talked a few times on AlphaCast and on myself and other shows about Sasquatch. And I believe Sasquatch um, is specifically um, uh, attracted to these kind of energetic vortexes because I believe they use they use that to go in and out of this plane. Um, whether that's in a, in a lower plane that they're in, I, I don't know how all that works. We're getting into the cryptids and the wave particle duality, like, you know, creatures that might exist on the wave side earlier exactly. in this talk. Yeah, yeah, and I and living up here in such thick bush. I mean, we're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of acres of of forest. Um, we basically live in the Six Rivers National Forest. Um, like people that are old school, multi generational here, they all have a Sasquatch story. It's wild. So there's something to it, and um, yeah, definitely uh, we talk about biogeometry as well. So. All of this is like ancient, esoteric, real science that we're trying to bring back with, I mean, people, you chance you talk about all the time, I do now coming out of the woodwork everywhere that are developing this stuff uh, and we're using it on the farm and it, it's all real science. So, um, but yeah, the, the geometry uh, in conjunction with the energetics, the waveforms, the um, you know, the, also just the nature, right. The pure abundance and the, the animals and like there's trippy animals that didn't even know existed in this area. Um, so yeah, man, it's, uh, I can't tell you how stoked I am to move from LA for, uh, uh, in 2016, Trump was elected. Actually, we were driving up here to our new place. Um, it's been life changing and amazing. I don't blame you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Where did you move to? 42 Shoes. Mike Winner, good to meet you. Mark, good to see you again. Chance, up, brother. brother. <laughs> Where do we want to go? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm all stoked on superhero stuff now. 
And chance <laughs> is muted, so he can't he can't talk back. So here's our chance, oh, guys. We got to keep. Oh, I'm, I'm here. We were, so we were talking Sasquatch. <laughs> And actually, Sasquatch would be a, a really awesome, um, besides the Wookiee, of course, you know, Star Wars. But what a killer, what a really cool uh, superhero that would be. The Beast. Design a comic around that. The well, Beast is kind of like that, right? There, there was Sasquatch in uh, Alpha Flight. He was. He yeah, was there's literally of, oh. an X-Men called Sasquatch. He is a Canadian yeah. X-Men. Oh, I don't remember that. And I was pretty deep into X-Men. Wow. Uh, I, I mean, I had the first X-Force comic um, and stuff. I don't remember Sasquatch. Wow. Okay, there you go. I remember Beast, obviously. But there was a Sasquatch and he was, wow, X, well, maybe because he's Canadian. Wasn't he yeah. like a, basically like a giant Native American looking dude? Wasn't that well, his thing? Was, he wasn't really like a Chewbacca type. There was two guys. He was human, but that was part of his mutation. Was, he was... Uh, a big hair man. Uh, let's... <laughs> I remember the Native American looking dude, and I believe that was in X X Force. Um, There's two I don't remember. Of them, Thunderbird and um, oh shoot, uh, yeah, Sasquatch was the name. Of one of them, Shaman was the other. Was the other Native guy, Shaman. Hmm. So all are represented in X-Men. Shaman. That's yeah, <laughs> right. I'm telling you, it's it's real. Like the stuff is based on reality. So Jack Kirby was a total mystic, right? He wrote uh X-Men, he wrote the first uh bunch of years and most created most of our popular culture as far as comic books go. Because um, he did the whole style of the dynamic style with of the the heroes coming out to you, you know, right? And the Kirby Crackle, the the cosmic things where he introduced the Watchers and uh, stuff like this. So in one of his, um, I don't remember if it was Chamber of Chills or one of the horror comics back in the day, right? So he writes this storyline where the Easter Island Moya. Um, Maori or Maori, the the stone heads, you know, that under the ground is the body. This was in the sixties that they wrote this. That they were the buried up. I yeah, it was a like a sixties comic. Well, Gordy, what you don't realize is you just touched again on something that Mike brought up, Lemuria, which I don't know if this is true, but. It sounds to me like uh, if there was a case for Lemuria, it would be Easter Island, just maybe location and uh, and also just what's left there. But I think it's the Rapa Nui people that live there. I don't know what the name of the because the Maori, that's from New Zealand. But I, yeah. I, I'm trying to look up the name of the because uh, the, I know there is a, a real name, but that's fascinating. They talked about that yeah. in the comic book that they had full bodies. When did they actually unearth uh, those? Easter Island late, heads late seventies. So wow. The Rapa Nui natives have a, their legend of them. Moai Moai. That's what they're called. Okay. The legend is that they're, uh, that they walked to where they were on the Island to hmm. protect the Island. That's the myth, right? So, um, Jack Kirby unknowing just writes this, uh, horror story where, where those Easter Island guys got out and unburied themselves and crawled out and were 
you know, become gods. They're stone gods. And so that's, that's their story. Their story is that the stone walked from the pit, from the quarry down to the end edge of the island. Well, what they found out when they finally dug the heads out is that there's a whole body under there, but the feet are like this kind of just like just plops of stone, right? They're just uh, double centered stubs, right? But what they found out when they made a copy is that you can topple that thing and walk it and it can walk down a hill like super easy with just like four guys and rope. And they just so do this thing. This, this waddles a bit. Mm-hmm. This kind of, I mean, I know that, you know, you can maybe make something now that would do that, but this kind of brings to mind for me, what I read about in a, a book. I probably talked about a bunch on my podcast, secret history of the world by Mark Booth. And he talks about how the, uh, you know, esoteric cosmology of the origins of all life talks about how there were these phases of matter and conscious living beings that we would consider human beings went through this same cycle that the earth and all everything else in the universe did. So to that logic, there was these sort of gaseous beings that once lived on the planet called the Hyperboreans and eventually the atmosphere or whatever changed the energy field changed and made it denser and denser and denser. Now to me, I mean, maybe the result of that was stone because not only do you see that kind of theme with the Easter Island heads very boldly uh, there, but where I live in new England, there are strange stones on top of mountains that, you know, they call one, the turtle stone, one's the Eagle stone, one's the Hawk stone, you know, one's the cat stone, because it literally looks like somebody carved these animal figures into these boulders, you know, and to that same effect, like what if those were a different type of being that when the grid changed or the energy field changed, they solidified into what we now call stone. And, and on that same point, limestone is found in all of these ancient civilizations too. And then you have the rock biter in uh, the never ending story, which we talked about on weaving spiders way back when. So and yeah, the thing. It's, right. The thing, there we go. Connecting it to that. <laughs> <laughs> the so. rockman. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing too, that I wanted to bring up is Rapa Nui is also called the navel of the world. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I like was just That's kind of the literal translation. Chance of, was just bringing this up with the when we were talking about Pierre Sabac, uh Chance was just talking about naval what naval the significance of that the is. The dual yeah. significance of that word is astounding yeah. because you're talking about the ones who are connected to the spaceships if you will, the airships, the boats in the sky, but also your naval is your belly button, it's this, your connection to source you could consider because it's like your your middle point or your center. It's where you grow out of. But then on another level, which is uh, stuff I've co- covered before and really would like to get out there to more places and shows as far as a concept, because I mean, maybe someone else has thought this before, but I feel like it might be an original idea for me from like from me is that uh, the symbolism of the plate or the wheel or the disc, the offering plate, 
if you will, that all connects back to these seraphim and higher angelic beings and the angelion sailors could be also a reference to placenta because the placenta traditions of the world are massively, are massively important outside of the Western, you know, treated like biohazard waste. And that's a huge can of worms to get into, but I think maybe the naval tradition is also referring Mm. to the ones who keep the secret of what should be done with the boat you came in on or the ship that you rode in on. They're born of a boat. Their placenta is the vessel that they are born on. It's actually honored, maybe buried on their family land. So they're still connected to the land or maybe consumed by the mother, who knows, depending on the tradition, but certainly not treated like uh, trash and thrown away or really sold to the... And in the West, they obfuscate that because of the law and they want you to be lost at sea. So you're, you, you lose that connection, right? Uh, From the disc that is your own kind of sovereign saucer. It looks Um, like a tree of life. Yeah. Real quick on the, on the uh, uh, Easter Island stuff. um, Some anthropologists, whatever have said that those were actually their money and that each, each house um, had one of those as ownership and they actually use that as like their solid um, backing. Like that's how they back their currency was with those statues. Um, it's, it's kind of trippy stuff when you, when you dive into it. Mm. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I read that it was on safety and uh, I always say his name wrong, the Bitcoin standard book, which I highly recommend. Um, but yeah, I guess that's one of the functionalities of those statues for that for those tribes back then, which is when you, he explains it really well. And it's actually kind of trippy to think of money as like these immovable statues, but now you're saying they walked. So um, who knows? Maybe that, well, that it is also, no, it doesn't actually, I mean, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Cause I mean, in that kind of little perspective that I gave, you have this culture that dissolves into stone and then these things are left behind. A culture comes along and says, wow, these are amazing. These are clearly valuable. We're going to use these and they're as good as gold. I mean, literally they, they're a a commodity, a rare commodity in, in a mineral form. Clearly they've lasted. So as a store (laughs) of value, they, they meet that criteria of money. Yeah. Wow. And also they had, they had um, quartz eyes. Each one had and some of them still do. I think that they've they've found that some of the the quartz, or I'm pretty sure it was quartz, but it was it was definitely a white crystal. Have you guys looked into the the crystal skulls at all? Because that's immediately what I think of when you mention quartz eyes is like this idea of like a crystal skull and how these are like unexplainable and and really irreplicable. You know, that's like physical Atlantean, fair they have in my town. Atlantean a, technology. Yeah, there's mm. people that bring crystal skulls to this meta fair, metaphysical fair where I live, and they'll talk like they talk to you. <laughs> the the lady who owns them all, she like holds on to the crystal skull and then she like t- basically speaks for it and has conversations with people from it. I don't know how legit it is, wow. but like, hmm. you know, definitely there's the idea that crystal can hold uh, information. And it, as I move further into the woo in my life, getting my electricity cleaner and stronger and my biofield more, you know, whole and intact, the level of psychic awareness about things that just pops into my head is pretty astounding. So like I'm at the point where, yeah, maybe I could talk to a crystal skull yeah. someday. 
I know it's happening fast for a lot of us, man. The X-Men thing is real. Like we're actually becoming it's the real. X-Men. The sky clock is dictating that it's time. Well, yep. in that predictive programming way, I think that that's really like what those people were tapping into. I know this was before Gordy and Mike joined us, but I was talking about how the theosophical movement and all the characters and that metaphysical zeitgeist, you know, Chris Knowles talks about how that really informed what those superheroes became. And then to see how many kids like myself, and I'm sure you guys take those heroes, you know, at a young age into your mental life and you like kind of identify with some of them. You find the ones that you gravitate towards. You you fight with your friends, whether you'd rather be a Jedi or Spider-Man, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, these things are now playing themselves out. And that fits into what uh, really odd conspiracy theorist by the name of James Shelby Downard talks about with oh, this yeah, sort of King killed a few right weeks back the Royal Masonic theater, you know, where they're kind of orchestrating people to play into certain roles. And it almost plays out in a way that, you know, maybe they don't even have to pull the strings after they set the table like that, you know, maybe they're not pulling all the strings so much as just uh, slowly feeding our subconscious in the direction that they think they're prophetically going anyways, you know, cause that's what these elites believe in is prophecy. Yeah. But the prophecy is, you know, I think of it in two ways. Like, is all prophecy self-fulfilling prophecy? Because we read this prophecy and we're, we're going to all expect it. And so, therefore, we're manifesting this, this end of the world bullshit. Right. Or are, is it in the ether telling us what's going to happen? Like Jack Kirby, you know, or I can't remember what. Bill Swizek did this prophetic thing where he was, he was doing um, a, it's in the Christopher Knowles book. It's, I think it's in God's Word Spandex or it might be um, one of the others, but the guy was doing a um, Planet of the Apes story and where a family like Cornelius and his wife, I can't remember, Zira are, she's cooking dinner and He's in a basement uh, doing his work or whatever. And while he's doing this, the guy, the, I can't remember the artist's name. He's drawing the, car, the comic. While he's drawing this exact comic, it's, uh, thugs bust into his house, which is what he was dry, drawing was the apes busting into their house. And it was happening as he was putting it on paper. Wow. Like he, he had to oh, that's meta. Stop, stop and <laughs> look back and see what he was doing at the same time. And this is what happens with spiders. All these sinks that when, when we're in this flow state, all this stuff that we're all pulling together, like Gabe's and Allen's and yours, all you, all these little sinks are adding up to more things and it's becoming a clearer picture. Well, what's interesting too is with finding out earlier in the week that spiders actually sense their web as an extension of their mind or their body. Their web becomes their body. Like they feel the vibrations through it as if those are those strings are limbs. Mm-hmm. So in a way, the information webs that we are building around ourselves and nesting within and all these connections where we figure out, oh, Okay, so this idea actually also connects to this other interest I had. All of that is giving us like a different 
neural pathways that we can access the deeper flow state of inspiration from divine source at all times. It's pretty amazing. Well, yeah, that's why I, I don't fear technology. I feel like it's training wheels for psychic connection. So, yeah. and you know, and I also, so I got, I, I, I got my kid too. Well, I didn't, but a family member got my kid for Christmas. Both my sons, they got the the headsets and people, you know, I, it's annoying that Facebook owns that company, but um, I had to go through that icky fake, fake book setup again to get in there. But I tell you what, man, I was golf. We've had crazy weather here and I was golfing in this virtual landscape, working on my game a couple nights ago. And it was pretty legit. And I come out and I go, you know what? I'm actually going to use that on the driving range next week. So like, I think, um, but to go back to the connectivity thing, it's like, I think, and this can actually kind of relate to the Mandela effect too. I think with the internet and because we're so connected across the world and the information is going so fast, we're, we're, we're changing the field so quickly that we are actually um, able to um, mentally all together change reality quicker. And that's, I think what matrix four is all about. And um, so, yeah, we're seeing it right now, thanks to digital connection, connectivity and technology, um, we're, we're becoming psychic in a way faster, but also it's a slippery slope, right? Because if you don't have the awareness, then you can get sucked into the simulacrum and then you lose yourself. So like anything, there needs to be awareness and knowledge and wisdom, but we can use this to really do some cool hacking of our consciousness, I think. Yeah, I actually would say that the technological realm isn't just a training wheels for psychic abilities. It is psychic abilities. It's just, this is the story that we had to give ourselves in this consensus dream to accept what was possible always anyway. And the experience is it's like the idea of like, if you have an experience in the mental realm or in a dream, is it real or not real? Or is just the experience of it? The only thing that has any reality anyway, because it's from your subjective perspective that it's happening. So we're having the experience of a psychic connection right now. And it's all in the mind. Like once you start to get into the electric body and realize that your mind is actually distributed intelligence across your entire electrical system and the aura around your body, it's like, oh, okay. So my body has been in my mind the whole time, which means it, it adds further, you know, evidence for the law of mentalism that this whole thing is mind outside of even your personal bubble. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's super no. interesting. Yeah, dude, have you guys done any of the goggles, the um, the VR stuff? Not like, a lot of it. I it had interesting. I had I had done it when it was really early into the development, like back like three or four years ago when they first came out with the Oculus, and I just. I was probably really stoned anyways, but I felt, I felt very like almost seasick wearing it. So I kind of, yeah. you know, was like, nah, get me out of here. So I never really gave it a fair shot, but uh, I'd give it a try based on what you're, how you're describing it. Maybe. I, I mean, if we can have it decentralized and, and in a way where it's holistically inclined, like, and not run by mm -hmm. evil corporations, imagine right. us all meeting in like my imaginary version of, I don't know, um, the library of Alexandria. And or like whatever your cool idea of like back what the Lumeria was like, right? What I've been and, saying though for a while is I think that the high level secret orders have the ability to do this without the technology. I oh think yeah, that part of what coordinates the lockstep that we see through the controlling families is that they have at least a few wizards that are able to go meet on an astral plane and 
you know, their temple, their great temple or whatever is actually in the psychic space and they meet there on purpose. I, and I think I heard whenever I was going to music festivals and talking to heads that just tripped all the time. I remember meeting a guy who claimed that he was like, he was doing a lot of LSD or something. And in the psychic realm, he met some, another human being, they conversed there and decided to go meet at like a hotel somewhere or a truck stop or something, you know, in between the two places where they lived and neither of them communicated on technology or on phones or anything. Yeah. They just had this psychic meeting and said, okay, meet me here. And they, he, the guy goes there and the dude was there and he knew about it. So that's like baby stuff compared to what maybe the highly trained, the ones that have carried forward the oral tradition for maybe millennia about the potential of, you know, our psychic abilities is pretty amazing. Yeah. If you read any of the ascended masters teachings or any, any of that stuff, St. Germain stuff. And I know it's an interesting topic because I've been, so Dr. Bear Lando got me into St. Germain a long time ago and I read the green books and all this stuff, um, you know, the, from the 1920s. And they talk about that where like they go out of body with St. Germain. He actually, so he actually, the ascended masters like Lavoski talks about, she has pictures supposedly with them. If you've seen that famous picture, they always embody in the physical. Um, so they literally phase into reality. They don't, they don't, you don't masters channel waveform duality. It's what I've been saying. <clears throat> yeah. You don't channel them. They phase in. In fact, St. Germain, through the teachings of Guy Ballard, always said do n- channeling is, is super slippery slope. Do not like channeling. Typically, you're being uh, manipulated by like darker entities. Like we'll come to you in person in the physical. We'll appear to you. And then typically in, in you go- box work. He says that the human sacrifice and the, especially like the sacrifice of the firstborn was a fuel to actually manifest the not so friendly beings into the physical. But because they didn't have the connection to source due to their sort of compartmentalized demonic nature, then you had to give them some sort of offering of energy. And that's where the sacrifice came in. And so that's what those cults were actually doing was calling their dark gods into the physical temporarily. And I think there's a lot of stories that maybe that still goes on when you study the darker cult today. But I bring this up because I think they in in these books, they talk about going to these like ancient up. They're always up in like the Tetons and the Himalayas and stuff. And they have these like secret walls that open up and they go in and they have all this ancient technology in there, uh, like Atlantean or Lumerian technology. I'm not sure from how long ago it is. And it's basically that it's like what the headset is doing right now in like a stone caveman version of what they had, which is all analog tech which allows them to essentially engage with their, uh, with our consciousness and then like meet each other in other realms and stuff. And there's like technology they have to help you get there. But of course we know if you're really tapped in, you don't even need that technology either to do it. And that stuff, I've had weird experiences. I've gotten out of body and, and gone places and stuff. So yeah, that stuff's all where we're going. Um, and I think this is like, you know, phase one of of the whole humanity going there as Steiner would be talking about. So, but then Steiner yeah, talks about isn't even weird yet. here too. So an harmonic deception and stuff, which is also seems to be going on right now. <laughs> For sure. Hey guys, we're almost to the end of this ride uh, as fun as it is. And I want to like pull the plug, but we're all, we're all going to reconvene on the flow state. So we'll go around the horn with everybody and, let anyone finish any dangling chads or thoughts. But first there's about a minute long voicemail we got in the call in line. And I think this person had something to say to one of us or all of us, and we're going to find out. (laughs) So 
hope, hope it's uh, nothing inappropriate. I'm going to listen. Oop, got to unmute it. Producer stuff. Okay. Hey, Chance. Hey, Mark. Hey, Gordy. You're legends. Got a lot of love for you guys. I don't know you, Mike, but I'm sure you're a legend to be with such fine company. Um, I was just calling in to say that, like, you, all of you guys, like Dylan, Slick, you guys, you've helped me so much in my life. You know, I've uh, I re realized a lot of things that have been clocking over for a long time and things are going great. Um, but I, I do have a slight problem because one of my best friends, like we, we live opposite this like super electro electronic box and like, uh, I'm going to like organize that shit as soon as I can. Um, and I'm getting like Spiro clothes and stuff, but I, I don't know how much to help. I know sugar kills or sugar's what it feeds on. Um, but is it, I'm sure you guys know someone, is it Beth? Like, can you tell me? Who who I need to talk to to get the answers to bust this bomb man and help my my sister, you know. But other than that, so much love. Keep doing what you're doing because you're the best. Nobody out there is doing it like you guys doing it. Respect, peace, love, harmony. That's how we do. From over the pond, much love. Hell yeah, dude! Wow, I got wow. some. I got some quick advice because I I have. Uh... I've bought this Faraday fabric stuff on Amazon and I sew it into my like jacket pockets where my phone goes and whatnot. So I don't have that like phone right against my chest uh, all day. So I would recommend buying some Faraday fabric and just like making a layer, maybe double, triple layer it in between that box, whatever it is and wherever that person is, maybe even cover it if it's not like Wi-Fi or something that you're using. Cause if it is Wi-Fi, you're just going to shut the signal off. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't really understand what device you're talking about, but that might help. Yeah, I didn't fully understand the question. And if you clarified in the call in line, that'd be cool, but it's also a great call either way, especially the, you know, the good energy of that. <laughs> we all appreciate that. And Mike is a legend. You're correct. Because <laughs> he's here with us yeah. for what he does on his own. Right. There's a lot of things you can do for that. I think he's, he talking about a smart meter, you think, or, um, no, he's, he's talking about the organ organ tower busing. No, um, I know that, but he sounded like he was neck. He was talking about like a power, like a toxic, um, in, in his home or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, and an so he's mentioning about busting it. it with orgone, but also, and which is awesome. And yes, I think that's important. And there's, there's so many things now guys in terms of transmuting these harmful waveforms, um, biogeometry for me is what I'm really nerding out on more and more because literally through geometry, too. we can transmute that in a way that can turn that into uh, a less harmful or not even harmful at all waveform coming out from something like a, a Wi-Fi or like a smart meter. Um, so uh, look up Kareem uh, and um, the, the biogeometry movement right now because they're doing insane things. Um, and then also, um, yeah, in terms of orgone, of course, also, um, like I'm always wearing, why am I flanking on this black rock stuff? You guys know what this is. Shungite? Black formalin? Yeah, shungite. I'm always rocking shungite now. I got like, it on both wrists, never take it off, not even to shower. Exactly. This stuff works. So, oh, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, man, yeah. you know what's freaking me out right now is the, like, I just, I don't know if you guys know who Arthur Furstenberg is and the, the invisible, invisible rainbow. rainbow. 
he just sent out an email today talking about they've got now like okay 440 something thousand low orbiting satellites in the next five years they're gonna be released where your skies are just gonna be obliterated by these satellites I mean, oh, dude, they're they're everywhere I, I think out. that if that something got switched on around Christmas to, as a frequency wave to create the effect of another wave of supposed cooties. And mm-hmm. I believe it was timed on purpose to coincide with Jupiter going into Pisces to have the effect of bringing people low and making people ill. That's yeah. And then, yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Gordy. Speaking of ill, um, our caller brought up, do we know this person? I don't know the this caller, at least oh, well, the, uh, the name you. in the call-in line was Jay Latz. Okay, so, Jay. Shout out to you, Jay Latz. Yeah, I should have um, said, yeah, Jay, Jay Latz. That's a great call. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. But I would suggest first to purify your own system. Get, uh, get healthy. Do a fast on your, yourself. Do a three-day fast and kick out sugar and wheat and soy. That's Now, that's... That's my suggestion. I am not a doctor. I am not giving you medical advice. I say do a full on organ cleanses. I'm about to do a liver cleanse myself. It'll be six days. What kind are you doing? Uh, I don't know the components. It's a kit from Global Healing Center. Doctor, what's his name? (laughs) Yeah, but they have urine enemas, baby. Age urine enemas. Yeah, that need to talk to you about that. I don't know enough about that. <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about that. <laughs> that sounds we're out pretty- there, man. We snort our own urine and and um yeah, dude, there's so much that we have that we don't even need to go buy stuff anymore. Like it's crazy how self-healing um zero point machines our bodies already are once we get out of our own way. Mm-hmm. Um Absolutely. But, but on point, Gordy, you're right. We got it. Like it's, you could do all this stuff to, to, you know, protect yourself against these toxic waveforms. But if you're toxic yourself, it's like, what's the, there's no point. Yeah. Like, well, you're just going to rain first and foremost. You're just going to be feeding the machine over again. And it's just going to, it's a problem that's just going to keep coming back. So purify your system. And I mean, do the orgone. It works. I, I have, but it won't be the thing alone. You know, if you're putting junk in, then you're still going to have that junk in there. Dude, I have a crazy orgone testimonial, by the way. After we had Mitch, the orgone donor on our show, which I know Chance, you know Mitch, right? He's a badass. Oh yeah, Um, I'm his like unofficial mm -hmm. podcast uh, scheduling manager. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that kid. He's just sent me a power wand and uh, been doing a lot of ether damming. He'll, he'll like call me up and give me an assignment. Like I need to point it to the Southwest today towards the very bottom tip of California and spin it clockwise for at least 15 minutes. And I'm just like, you got it, buddy. Let me know how it works out. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. So we got, we're like in this tiny town on the coast here. I don't know how much more time we have. I I can make this really quick because it's a testimonial. So my wife's a nurse in the local hospital. We have a town of about 12,000 people in a very, in like, like a remote little corner in the California and Oregon border here in Del Norte County. And we've been like a very cooties negative, like neutral place because it's kind of like Trump town here and people just don't buy into fear. And people just are like multi-generational agrarians here and just don't buy into the bullshit. They don't even watch. I mean, some watch TV and might not even be the healthiest, but mentally they don't buy into it. So like, it was cool here. No one wearing masks, no one getting sick. And all of a sudden the T-Mobile 5G went live in our little town. Um, I don't 
live in this town, but I live up in the mountains from it. But my wife's working in town and in the summer and then boom, all of a sudden we're like the number one hotspot in the entire state and even in the country for for you know what out of the blue. And then AT&T went live and they put up three new towers in our little town within a month. And and we the hospital was overflowing. It was it was un it was unpricked and pricked. It didn't matter. It was just people falling prey to hypoxia issues, to just these like type of symptoms we've been hearing about. So um I was telling my wife who she some of this stuff, but they're blaming it on like the 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 summer fair, the county fair. Oh, people came in and brought I'm like, no, germ theory is BS. Let's get over that. Let's what is obvious of what happened was they put these towers on. So I got I had uh, I was in the process of making some orgone, but Mitch actually was right when we had him on the pack podcast. He sent me this wonderful package of stuff, pipes and he's and, generous and, as can be, man. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he up. is. So my kids and I went on a mission and we went and busted all the towers. And within a week, week and a half, um, and this was like a couple weeks after this had been going on. So it had been multiple weeks and weeks, maybe three weeks of this going on where the hospital was overflowing. It really was like my wife was in the thick of it. And then in about two weeks since we busted them, it, the whole town just regulated again. And we went back to business as usual. So, yes, there's a lot of possibilities of stuff that happened there. I'm not saying, you know, but it is pretty interesting um, that, that kind of all coalesced with, you know, the recovery coalesced with us busting those towers. So, um, just a fascinating little testimonial from me. And yeah, I've busted my, towers in the last few months all around my, where I live, like my, not my whole town. I didn't have enough pipes, but I can say confidently that the chemtrail haze does not stick, uh, stick over my house anymore. You'll see it off further in the perimeter. But like where the towers are that I haven't busted, but like in the zones where I've busted, I've, I've coordinated it so that they're all, you know, the ones adjacent to each other, all busted in the circle around my house, a couple mile space. And chemtrails do not hang. Like I'll be laying outside sunning my, myself and uh, I'll see them even fly overhead. And they do get the sun blocked in front of, uh, you know, with chemtrails that are further off to like the south since that's where the sun mostly hangs out. But then I bust out this power wand that Mitch sent me that is uh, got an actual frequency current that plays through it. And so it's like an electrified orgone pipe, Ooh. if you will. And I wave that towards the sun and it's like, it feels like magic. It feels like I'm holding a pencil and erasing the graphite off of the page, which is the, the chemtrail clouds. Like they they just fall apart like pretty fast. And it's the wildest thing I've been wanting to have someone present with me while I do it. So I can just be like, am I crazy? Or did those just go away after I turned this thing on and started <laughs> doing the thing? Well, and people notice too, like they will start to notice once you start doing these things, because I mean, chances heard this story ad nauseum, but Mark and Mike, you, you guys may not have heard it, but I had, I have these owls that I'm really close to <clears throat> at my work. Right. And they, um, He's part of a parliament of owls. Yes. They've accepted him as one of their own. I am I am one of them. They are my Amakua Poel, the family owl family, spirit family. Um, anyway, so they they left for like six, nine months, something like that. I was close to nine months, because they would come, you'd see them, but they their home tree is right by where I park at work. They're there. They've been there for, 
They were there for two years straight. Last November, the previous November to this one, they put in a 5G tower just past the tree. And that next spring, the owls didn't have uh, a clutch of eggs. Uh, that was the first thing, um, which they had had two years private previously in the same spot. That year, they didn't have eggs, and they left for nine months. So I talked to Mitch. Mitch got me some earth pipes. I did around the, the towers, around our building, and between the towers and the owl tree specifically. And I did that on a Friday. On the Monday, they were back. Everything was normal. The whole thing felt different. Like all the wildlife started coming back. It's been nuts. You got the triops. <laughs> yeah. We have three-eyed freak fish coming out of the soil. It's yeah, strange, got, strange life forms. Leopards Berries coming back. Up. Just south of, of <laughs> me here is the Santa Rita Mountains. The monsoons have been so strong that that the jaguars are starting to come back up from Mexico into our Santa Rita Mountains, which actually shut down the mining. Um, company that was doing exploration that's been trying to reopen this mine well because the jaguars are back they can't mine there trippy i love that that's a really cool it's point pretty cool there. huh yeah 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 i've been looking into a lot of mining stuff with this uh mini series i'm doing the elemental philosophorum you know looking into all the different elements and and how they play into it but I guess going back to kind of pair it off of what you guys were talking about, I would mention also fluoride being a huge, huge thing to eliminate, to detoxify. You know, uh, it definitely was a big one for me. Uh, I think it's pretty basic. All oh, you guys are probably way ahead of that, right? Fluoride, we're good. But what was interesting about fluorine in particular is it's the most reactive element on the periodic table of elements. So this is what they're putting in your water for your benefit. Cause you know, it, it cleans your teeth. So they say, <laughs> sure. <laughs> hey, so let's go around the horn and wrap up because we're going to bop over to the weaving spiders. Welcome channel and do the, the group flow state soon. I've got to give thanks to all three of you gentlemen, much thanks and honor to be sharing a screen with you. Mark, I knew we were going to have a good time. Mike, thanks for the improv, you know, on the fly. I <laughs> just was like, hey, you want to jump on here? That's awesome that you you came in. It's really cool. Dude, I love StreamYard, man. It lets you just do stuff like this. I was, I just randomly midnight, like weeks ago, I jumped in on Rose's channel, you know, from triple, uh, Crow777. And I was just yeah, I was talking to her in. today, getting a collab going. Yeah, good. fun, man. This is like where this con, this like, where the content's going right like these kind of hangouts and just going live and spur the moment thought forms bubbling together um like the manatee from um uh, uh south park and bubbling up the, <laughs> and, and yeah just uh this is fun so hey thanks for having me on yeah man any we do this every wednesday night this is my second show vibrant actually this is the show you're on <laughs> vibe and we rant and usually uh you know we can have you as a regular guest I like to bring someone on that I've already had as a main interverse guest and we do the more casual hangout and we take the calls from the listeners or look at memes or it's kind of different every time. Like the last one, actually, I just did a group sound healing session and it was me alone. So Vibrant oh, wow. is like my 
my live show that is more consistently uh, every week at the same time. We have a lot of fun. Gordy calls in most weeks, probably. He's a super good regular, very reliable. Appreciate you, dude. You too, buddy. I appreciate you doing this. It's fun. But this is where it's going. Because when two or more gathered in my name, man, stuff happens. Three is a magic number. Three plus. Like, I'm not joking. Like, we've seen, Chance and I have seen with our own eyes, experienced, like, crazy miraculous things happening oh yeah it's gonna happen on the flow state tonight we're gonna bring up like five different topics and then we're gonna realize that they all are actually about the same thing and the same thing we didn't plan it (laughs) that's what we do flow state is the show mike where uh we get a bunch of people in a call like this we take turns reading uh chapters out of books that we're interested in at the time Mm -hmm. or you know, poetry or oh, you got to have articles. me on, man. I'm a, I I'm reading six, seven books at a time. That's like my jam. So I'm reading some weird esoteric books that actually Barry Lando gave me. Yeah. Come on my and read day. some books we, to us tonight on the we weaving get some, spiders uh, channel. Dude, I'm reading this Atlantis book right now that talks about the, the, the law of Let's one go cover for cover. I want to see what you're reading. Let's see it. I'll show you what I'm reading. If you show me what you're <laughs> reading. Atlas. Yeah, also, this also book Mike, I'm reading is, from the 1920s is trippy, man. It's out out in the living room right now. But no um, then I'm finishing up the Billy Shears book, you know, the Paul's Dead stuff. Oh, you cool. guys know that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we take turns reading and then we like try to put our cameras on our art and we work on art at the same time. So we're like engaging the receptive part of the brain, listening to the reading or the talk and then the uh, left brain active, you know, constructing something, some sculptors in there. Jim Maiden hosts it over at Weaving Spiders. Welcome. I'm drawing something that I've been working on week to week with my uh, my marker art craziness so it's a lot of fun i'll shoot you a, a zoom link for that if you want to pop in tonight or any night and just hang out like it then, goes pretty late and that sounds fun man. goes goes hey what if the moon is the guitar and the sun is the amplifier we're just hearing the <laughs> well i just want to oh, say yeah, the moon the light I comes just, from the moon not the sun i definitely appreciate being here gordy i'm looking forward to having you on my Me show too, buddy. soon I don't remember exactly what day that is because you picked the date, but Mike, I got to have you on my show. And I'm not sure now that I think about it, I might've misspoke, but if I didn't email you already, I definitely got to email you and we'll work out a show uh, with Sam. Cause I know he'd love to hear what you're going on with, with Dr. Lando and all that. So Alpha Vedic is one of the coolest shows yeah, out there. Very cool. man. Oh, appreciate so it. Definitely got to work that out. Hey, if you guys want to tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. on AlphaCast, we're going maybe one of it's going to be like one of our most pivotal shows that we've ever done. It's called Biotrain 3.0, where we're really touching on the real physics of health and wellness that really no one's tapped into. Um, So it's like beyond terrain versus germ theory, all that and really tapping into the energetics of what dis-ease is and all that from the mind of Dr. Bear Lando. Uh, I will be writing shotgun on that while he takes us in deep into his mind of how this works and stuff so it's and it goes into the cell salts 12 cell salts and kind of the higher planes of energetics and and stuff so anyways tomorrow at 10 a.m if anyone's listening and wants to join us we do it live every thursday chance is coming on soon love to talk to you gentlemen too about coming on um so it's it's a good show um, but yeah, this is going to be one that's really going to be our, it's our bread and butter, right? So, um, definitely, um, check it out if you guys that's are interested specific in time. Yeah. Dude, 
Yeah, 10 a.m. Yeah. Pacific time. We're on uh, Odyssey, D Live, and YouTube, and Facebook still. I think I got a client at that time, but I'll definitely be checking out the replay. Cool, brother. But it's the yeah. same thing for me because the client I'll be working with on a remote sound healing session because I think you guys are probably going to be talking about the same thing I've been discovering in that modality, which is that, yeah, disease is all electric. It's all vibe. It's all the mental energy. <laughs> yeah, man. Electric. Universe. One of our alphabetic hats. That's a sick hat. That the vibrant awesome. logo has got the, the lightning bolts in it. Yeah. Shout out Jenny B. She was in the chat. She designed this great vibrant logo. This is what it looks like. Lightning bolts. <laughs> Well, what we were saying, the the Alphaverse or the Inner Vedic, I like, like Inner Vedic. Alphaverse sounds better. Yeah, Alphaverse. Okay. I like it. It sounds like a comic book. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, we'll wrap this up, guys. It's been super fun. Anything else to shoot out there before we go? Not that won't add like two more hours to this. I know. So I'm trying to respect I would just him say, and get us over to his flow state because <laughs> it's going to well, be fun. And Mike, I don't have I'm to drive. Yeah, super glad I met. I've seen you a few yeah. times, Gordy. I always love your your stuff, man. You're awesome. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. I love this tribe. I love that these spontaneous awesome. hangouts are a thing. You guys all got to come to Music and Sky. It's the in-person festival that I've, I'm going. It's going to be our third year. It's a full-on four-day camping festival in the Redwoods. Oh, uh, multiple when, stages, when music, ice baths, meditation. David Avocado Wolf was like one of our speakers last year with like big names come in um trippy stuff like it's a 24 7 family friendly festival called music and sky and we'd love to have you guys what's that can i vend art (laughs) yes we have a 24 7 art um venue uh art gallery in the centerpiece of the whole festival that is highly curated we would love to have you uh be a part of that because art's a massive part of this i met a really cool dude at flattoberfest named tom who is I think listening right now. And he told me all about how amazing your event was. And so I've been looking forward to that and playing oh, cool. to this upcoming one. What's the date on it again? God, if I know, no, we're, we're, we're working that out right <laughs> okay. now. We got it. We do a new venue every year. And this, this venue, it looks like we locked is next level. It's on a river with redwoods. Uh, the first year was in Joshua Tree. The second year was in the Western Sierras. And this year, uh, it's in California every year. But um, we were just trying to lock down that date ASAP, probably sometime in June, I'm hoping. So, um, but we're hoping to announce the date by next week, hopefully. Cool, man. I'll watch out for that and we'll announce it on our channels because I will want to see people there for sure. That would be cool. Yeah. Right. All right, Mark, Mike, Gordy. Thank much you. Much love, gentlemen. <laughs> We'll do this for having me. All of you are welcome any Wednesday night to call in whoever I'm talking to. Want to jump in the mix? I'll put the I'll be put sharing the call in line every time. So catch you guys later.